What is up? Yo, yo. Salty Dogs Podcast. Why do you always talk about a children's toy whenever we start the podcast? I just love them. Yo, yo. Did you know that I'm... I'm going to be like, Salty Dogs Podcast, Tinker Toys. That's not the same. Mine is a greeting, actually. Yo, yo. I could just say yo. Yo. You could say that, too. Anyways, how are you doing, man? How am I doing? Yes. I suppose I'm okay. Yeah? Yeah, it's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, did you want more than that? I mean, I just was wanting to hopefully know maybe some piece of You want to know more life. about my life? Yeah, Gosh, I mean, this darn. is the time where we start sharing some stuff. I have a couple things I want to share, but what's new in your world? I'm just... Uh, new? Yeah, you guys oh, moved. We did move. Yeah, so we're doing this whole debt reduction situation, and so we're renting out our home, and we moved in with my father-in-law. Yeah, that guy Rave Damsey, right? Rave Damsey? <laughs> I did not move in with Rave Damsey. No, yeah, his approach, Rave Damsey. <laughs> Right, yes, indeed. The, the debt bosnol. Right. That 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 one was not as smooth or fluid. Why are we doing this? Are we going to podcast okay. in pig Latin today? Let's, let's do it. No, I'm not going to do it. So yeah, you moved. So, so we moved, and that. And you pro- gave a, you guys gave us a mattress. That, that process, yeah, we give you king size mattress. That's great. So it's going to save your marriage, bro. Well, I will say this. The other day, I like completely flopped my arm, and I couldn't feel Lara. Can, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest this thing ever. This is wonderful. Ever. I have this all the so room good. in the world, king yeah. size bed. But I then the it. kids crawl in with you. Yeah, that's have fine, though. That? Yeah. That, because I still don't feel them. And neither does she. I mean, there's so much room that we're fine. King size beds save marriages every year. They do. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear a statistic on that, but... We're not a statistical podcast. I'm sure. I'm sure there are. Yeah, there's statistics out there. Okay, so, so it was a pain. So in the yeah, butt. dude, we've we've been moving. Uh, still have. We got all the big stuff moved. We have to do like clean the house and do all that fun stuff. I have to paint yeah. a deck. I have to like fix this, that, and the other. And so, anyways, it's been super duper crazy. And uh, anyways, busy, busy. Tomorrow's my wife's birthday. So oh, hey. happy early happy birthday, birthday. Nice. Kimberly. Yep. So that's good. She. Uh, she wants adult Lunchables for her birthday. Like you're you know, going to make them for her. Do you know her? what adult Lunchables are? Yeah. So is that like, you know, you get the cheeses. Yeah. It, well, it's almost like a- Charcuterie. Uh, a char- yeah. That's what I was going to say. Charcuterie. Yeah. Larry's loves those things. Charcuterous. Charcuterie. 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 So we like really good cheeses and really good meats. Oh, I didn't realize you were, I was just a lowly peasant and you're a- you know, you wouldn't know. I, I, I don't know about extravagant you, you cheeses. Would, you wouldn't know the cheese. I you eat. know, what are you no. like? Limburg? Isn't that a cheese? It, it is a cheese. Right. It's also a city, isn't it? Something. I think so. Isn't Anyways, it a city? I, I, well, it's at least a town north of us. This is Stephen. Stephen yeah. Christians, Steven's by the way, here. he's hanging out with us. Yep, he's chunking deuce on he the is. on the live stream. Um. So, anyways, enough about cheese and and moving. Tell Wait, hold about, on. I got, what? You have a thing? Yeah, I got some things I want to talk about. I know. I was going oh, to... I was segueing. I thought you were about to dude, dive right into the topic. you got to let the segue flow, bro. Okay. okay. Go for it. I, that was it? Okay. So, a sure couple things. Shameless plug. Start. I started a podcast. Oh, that's right. I did. So, I we started We didn't approve po- this. What's that? I'm supposed to approve these announcements. Well, you drop your podcast all the time in, <laughs> in the midst, all 20 of them that you have. Oh, my gosh. So, I figured I could drop my podcast. It's not on Apple yet. It's still being approved, but for you... Really? Yeah. You're not on Apple yet? Mm-mm. It's on, like... Did you manually... Uh, do you have to manually yes. do that? Oh. They'll, they'll approve it like that. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I need to go in and do that. Right now, it's on Spotify, and then whatever Google's is... Google Play. Sure. Google Podcasts. Yeah, it's the new one. And you're on just, Anchor. And what's it called? What is it? Tell it's me called about the it. Living Water Church Equipping Podcast. So, um, anyways, it's a pod. It's not really a 
like a topical podcast. It's whatever the messages that I'm teaching on Sundays to equip our people to become more like Jesus and to live missionally. Um, those are kind of the topics that that we're tackling. So I figured, man, I'm already coming up with this content. Let me go ahead and just record a podcast and put it out there. So, so let's just go ahead and yank on that relational equity chain and ask people to go check it out. Like, I would love do that. my boy Chris a solid and that go check out the Living Water Equipping Living Water Church Equipping, equipping podcast. Podcast. Yeah. And so, what do you talk about? Uh, Jesus and oh. stuff. So, so just like this podcast, yeah, why much. do you need that one? Because this was this on not my enough? own. This is not enough? I will actually get to talk on the other Dude, one because you talk you, so much. You can't leave the band, bro. Don't Beyonce me. Don't go solo. <laughs> I'm going solo. Oh, dang it. I'm going, uh, what's, uh, the, what's the NSYNC guy? I went solo. Justin, Justin Timberlake. Timberlake. You're going to pull JT a JT on, on me? I am. Dang it. I no, went I'm solo not. at the end of last season and I only got seven episodes in. I will get eight. I'm determined so, to to, beat to, me. to make it, yeah. yeah and they're, they're speaking super of, short. Speaking of, if you want a seven-episode podcast, check out the Kingdom Life podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, and Spotify by yours truly, Jason Villanueva. Yeah, we're just going at it now and just dropping all of our... You got a podcast you want to drop in, Stephen? <laughs> I don't have time for a podcast <laughs> except for this one. So, so my, right. yeah, so my podcast, they're like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, somewhere in there. Uh, the first last, well, let me see. I'm trying to figure out anyways. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just about becoming more like Jesus and living missionally. So the first couple episodes I talked about actually what it looks Jesus like to, and- yeah, to spend time with Jesus and you know, it's just, eh, just go look at it check it out. I don't go know what look to say. At it, go go listen. listen to it. Dude, you got to work on your promo pitch. Yeah. I, well, I wasn't expecting you to say Pitch it. I just wanted to tell people to go listen to it. Go. You've got the floor. Uh, just go listen. Give me a million dollars and invest people are, in my company. Right. No, yeah, that too. That would work. You can give at the sourcewitch.com. Anyways, uh, second thing, you know Scott Erickson, the painter? Yes. I want to briefly highlight, uh, if you're looking for a new devotional... I would, and you want to break away from something traditional like Beth Moore or, you know, whoever that, you know, it's like <laughs> no, no shade against Beth Moore, but that's like a really traditional women's devotional to where it's like, is that what it says on the cover of his book or in the forward? It's yeah. like, if you're tired of Beth Moore, <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure her publicist is watching right, right. now and we're going to get I got a, a, Facebook a cease and ad, Facebook, the, a Facebook ad the other day. It said sick of Beth Moore. It was like, click. <laughs> Conversion, conversion. Oh man. So anyways, uh, this guy, Scott Erickson, he is a painter and he, he's awesome. If you can follow him on Instagram, but he just paints some very, um, thought provoking, uh, Christ filled art, I guess you could say like there's spiritual truths, principles behind everything that he does. Um, anyways, he wrote a book called, I don't even know what it's called. Dead gummit. I'm failing at this. Just go look up Scott Erickson um, and then you'll see his new book out. But basically what I love about this devotional is it's literally one sentence and one image um, and that's the devotional for the day. And so you read this sentence and you look at this image and it, it's really great because I feel like in a lot of devotionals you hear what the author wants you to you know think, like their big takeaway, whereas they're dropping one line and they're not always super straightforward either. I mean, you read some of them and you're like, that's a little confusing. What is that? What does that even mean? That kind of sounds like there's some oxymorons in there. And and you go, you meditate, you pray and you I mean, for me, I go, "Lord, what do you want me to take away from this? These images, what <laughs> like what's standing out of them to me?" And so, um it's been really refreshing. I haven't done a devotional, you know, type thing in a long time because I have been sick of <laughs> just the regular Devotion. sick of Beth Moore. <laughs> I I don't typically do Beth Moore devotionals. Those are for our lady friends, I guess. Maybe not. 
You're such a sexist. Oh, yeah, gosh, we've just lost. Complimentary. We just lost fifty <laughs> unfollows. We, we don't bad lose reviews. people. Oh, okay. They love us. Anyways, if you listening. if you want to um, check out his book, I'm going to Google it really quick. Jason, I thought that's what you were doing, um, so I thought you would have been on it to find his new book, artist. I'm just going to type in book. So while you're doing that, oh, I got it. So while you're doing that, can I say it? I got it. Okay. May it be so. Check Okey it out. Doke. May it be so. That's actual actually what the word amen means. Yep. Yep. Indeed. So uh, I grew up in Houston, Texas, and there was a church called Ecclesia Houston. He's there all the time, and it used to meet in a little like coffee shop slash art house type place. And uh, I went there with my friend Kimberly for church one time, and Scott Erickson was there painting live. Really? It's kind of, I think maybe, I don't want to say it's where he got his start, but that was his home church for a while. And so um, the pastor, Chris C., um, his brother's Robbie C., I don't know if you remember the Robbie C. band. Yes. Yep. I do. So anyways, uh, also fun fact, when Hurricane Harvey hit Houston, we showed up about two weeks after it hit. I remember that. And then we went and did a mission trip in uh, Ecclesia, Houston, actually was partnering with other churches from the United States, you know, the nations, whatever, yeah. uh, to come in and they were housing them and feeding them and giving them um, a place to work and all the materials and everything they needed. So Ecclesia Houston, shout out, and uh, Scott Erickson, shout out. Yeah, so. check them out. He's got mm-hmm. some really thought-provoking stuff. I've just been enjoying it. It's been something that's been super yeah. refreshing to fantastic. not just read someone else's words, but... Yep. So speaking of shout outs, yeah. um, I just, I want to, I want to send a shout out. I'm going to pass the salt to who? To my boy, Rocky. Rocky so, Balboa? Yeah. No, not Rocky Balboa. That, that's the most, that's like the go-to. The low hanging, steri- that's extremely that's low hanging fruit. So dumb. Or Rocky and Bullwinkle. Come on. Or just. that's like. Anyways, yeah. let me shout out my boy. Stop. <laughs> okay. Jeez Louise. I'm so Just because you just recently right watched now. Rocky. It's my, for the first it's my time. favorite series trilogy. All right, quad. so we're going to dial it in. Yes. Rocky, thanks for the phone call, man. He actually just called me this morning. He actually called me last night. I couldn't take the phone call. He called me this morning, and he just said, hey, I just real quick wanted to call you and let you know I've been listening to the podcast uh, again. He was listening. It stopped for a while. <clears throat> Started listening again. One of his buddies, Jared, so shout out to Jared also, um, was telling him he was been listening and uh, has really enjoyed some of the most recent episodes, right. and especially – uh, the one with Keith, uh, Keith Giles, and then just the last one, the church planning discussion part one, mm. and uh, also um, is something missing. Is something missing. So those just are like some our of last those, three, man. Yeah, so just some of those last episodes, he's he's really enjoyed. And so Rocky was like, "Yeah, I just want to encourage you, man. Like, you know, keep doing what you're doing. It's it's good. I appreciate it. Heck and yeah, rock man. on." So Thanks. Rocky told me, "Rock on." Thank you, Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. So you know the drill. Yo, Rocky. I hope you uh, get a. Oh get to- man. <laughs> Dude, hope- <laughs> we're, we're more clever than that. No, what? Hey, Rocky, I, I, what do we give people? Dude, I'm so out of it right now. I'm we give like, people rosy oh, cheeks. rosy cheeks. You yeah. silly man. I hope, Rocky, that you have the rosiest of cheeks and uh, and you wear those with pride, man. You keep encouraging Jason because Rock- he needs it. Rocky's not a proud man, but he'll wear them. <laughs> he'll wear them. Yeah, he'll wear them humbly. He'll wear them because he walks humbly with the Lord. All right, let's do this. Our guest today, Stephen Christian. We got to. I'm gonna get it. You gotta together. get your stuff. I'm getting to, it together. We'll get it okay. together. We're good. We're ready. I'm you ready. Just need I'm to in. A little I'm bit. dialed in. Do you need? 
I'm wearing this flannel and it's freaking hot, but I don't take want to the take flannel it off. off. No, just, just do it. It's fine. I'm good. Let's go. Do it. Do, do it. Do you need a Beth do Moore it. Devo? Oh, he's he's got a Beth Moore shirt on. That's the problem. That's what it is. <laughs> I got a Beth Moore That's sleeve or face right on my. So arm. so Stephen Christian, uh, I think this is the first time we've met. I've I, you're a friend on Facebook. I think maybe because our church planning circle, um, but yeah, just a little bit of pre-recording talk. Um, you've been a youth pastor 23 years. Uh, you planted a church. Uh, right now you work hospice and you said it's one of the, you know, you love it. Right. Um, so and then I met, I met Stephen yeah. actually through a church planting, uh, kind of like a church planting gathering that was happening in our city. We, we had seven or eight guys that were just getting together once a month. And so that's where I met Stephen. Uh, and yeah, that's how I know him. And then that's how you know him because I know him. And so we actually put a call out through Facebook and right. um, the podcast page. Uh, we've for a long time wanted to do a church planning discussion and uh, we wanted to talk to just a couple different people who've get some different perspectives, Yeah, get different perspectives, that kind of, that kind of thing. And so Stephen, um, yeah, welcome. Thanks, Thanks for being here. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, sorry for all of that. Redi- that was some of the most no, it's, worst dude, banter Stop ever. apologizing. Yeah. You make it worse when you do that. I just want to highlight it so much. <laughs> yeah. And just let people know, like, that was, <laughs> give us another chance. Go back and listen to another Look at episode. all my flaws. Look at all my flaws. Gosh, look at that self-conscious I'm guy. virtue signaling. Oh. Anyways, Stephen, thanks for being here. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. I've listened to several of your episodes Heck or watched yeah. them, and I think what I have loved about them is that even when uh, you guys have brought up topics or or have hit the topic from an angle that I may not be on that same side. Yeah. It it stirs something within me to make me pause and say, "Okay, what's the sort of what's going on inside me to have that feeling?" Yeah. And it's been a good work for me. I love it. Um I I think that's part of like if we're learners, right, right. we don't just lean into people that we yeah. agree 100% with all the time. Yeah. We rub shoulders with people, we listen to others who may come at things at a little different angle. Yeah. I think that's how we grow together. I remember you told me that actually when we, I think we had eaten at the barbecue place down in Delano and you told me yeah. that and I was like, man, that's awesome. And that's one of the things that I love. And I hope for anyone that listens to our podcast or any podcast, like that is a sign I feel like of extreme maturity and wanting to grow when you can hear other sides of something that someone's saying, realize like, okay, I may not 100% agree with this, and this is causing a reaction in me. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? And yeah, so I right. think that's amazing. Yeah. Instead of just writing it off, actually explore the heart Heretic, check. heretic, right. heretic. Yeah. No, that's good. And it's not always about even a disagreement. It's like it pushes against just what I'm known or comfortable with. Right. And, and so to have that rub is, I think good and healthy and I don't know. It I just causes like some it. growth if you if yes. you lean into it. Yeah. yeah. I uh you know there's that scripture it says as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another and uh I heard someone say well with iron sharpening iron you you better believe sparks are going to fly. I was like, "Oh, okay." So, sometimes <laughs> Beth Moore say that? <laughs> you you would know. <laughs> you would have to tell me What's, what series so, was that in i mean yeah, iron right. sharpens iron yeah right that's right <laughs> um so steven tell us a little bit about so this is our church planning discussion and so uh i i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it up to you um 
to where you want to take this and, and how you want to frame and, it and how you want to frame it. But yeah, just tell us your church planning story. And then as you talk about that, we'll kind of dig in and, um, you know, maybe ask a question here or there, but we want to give you the floor. Tell us, um, your experience and, and you know, what happened, what you did, how you're doing now. So cool. Yeah. Yep. Sounds good. So youth ministry, 23 years, kind of backed that up to like 2008. We put a, a pause on student ministry, went off to seminary, uh, still did lots of ministry while there. I mean, you got to figure out a way to make ends meet. And right. so did that during seminary the whole time really thinking we're going to plant, we're going to plant, our family's going to plant um, people that knew us and loved us and have watched us grow up through ministry they're like, yeah, you guys are built to plant. Yeah, uh, my parents were in a a mission organization that planted churches. Or, so you grew up all around it. So I grew up around it, and it's sort of just there. So um, I've seen it. I've watched. I mean, I've watched my dad plant churches or yeah. revitalize churches, and them grow from you know ten people to uh, one of them up to like four hundred and fifty. And so there's all these different things in my life that added up. And so we went to seminary and we actually thought we'd go back to the town that we left when we went to seminary. And, and got, which, which town was that? That's a town in Maryland called Maryland. Easton. Yeah. Okay. So we're from the East coast. And, gotcha. and so we uh, went to seminary nice. just North of Boston. And while there, we had this uh, incredible moment where we're sitting with some friends from Austria and they're like, Hey, you should come back to Austria with us when we're done. And my wife and I were like, Hey, we'll go anywhere but Kansas. <laughs> now, wow! The, oh, you did it. We did it. We did you it. You poked the bear. We laughed, and they're like, "What's so funny?" And we're like, "You know, cornfields, Wizard of Oz. Have you guys seen Wizard of Oz?" And they're like, "Well, yeah, we think so." They're from Austria again, right? And, yeah. And so that just really just tells you the limitation that East Coast people can oh, have gosh. on. Yes, yeah. We brought out all the stereotypes. I learned really quickly, by the way, that nobody around here appreciates Wizard of Oz jokes. Oh, so. No, they don't. It's like Rocky jokes if your name is Rocky. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. So like two two months into it, I learned the hard way. So we um, we go through uh, seminary. We connect with a church out here, and really thought that we would plant. Uh, we actually went back into student ministry. But that whole time while in student ministry, we got to just get a really like in-depth look at yeah. church planting. Uh, the church we were part of was very involved in our city with church planting. And they have just, I think, in lots of ways have brought redemptive qualities to church planting in this city that I think have just been good. good. Yeah. So, but I got I got a chance to learn really the inside scoop, so to speak, of watching church planters. These guys were my friends. They they're mm -hmm. on staff for a season. They go out and plant, and so you watch. Um, and so we went into this totally aware of the hard realities. It's it's you know we we like to think, or at least church planters or guys who want to be in church planting. We have this idea that somehow church planting is the sexy thing to do. Right. It's very romanticized. And, oh, yeah. And like, if I could only, and I just want to say to people, if you can only do something else, go do that. <laughs> Dude, you know what? I feel like uh, last week, uh, or the last episode, gosh, what's it? Travis. Travis said, Travis. Travis said the same thing. Like, if you can do anything else, right. do that. I mean, it's... 
it's hard work. It, it just, it's the reality. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's fun. You get to do great things. You get to see God do amazing things that only he can do, but it brings a toll. And so we thought we would plant and right away out of seminary. That didn't happen. Uh, I think that was that season that God was preparing us. But this idea of planting a church, like it didn't just happen overnight for us. Yeah. Uh, we really sense like this is where we're going to go. God is going to use us. And even, you know, as we were preparing to say yes to the call of planting, we had, I mean, anytime I would share it with somebody, they're like, you guys are, you guys are made for this. You're, you're just going to see an explosion. You're going to see tons of people come into Jesus. Yeah. And we went through assessment with an organization called Converge. Mm-hmm. And am I close enough? Is this good? You're good, right. man. Keep going. Yeah. And so we went through this um, assessment with an organization called Converge. They raked us over the coals um, in a good way. It was healthy. <laughs> they peered into our lives and got the, um, actually, I, I, I failed the, the Bible test. Did you? Um, I did. How? What? So can we talk about that? What's the Bible I, test? I, what, yeah. you, know, you said about being vulnerable. I think that's about as vulnerable as I need to be. Yeah. But, but I want to know what Is kind of- Is that just the books of the Bible? What kind of you questions the they the asked and like, how do you fail that? Yeah, who wrote the- Who wrote Ten the test? Command, Ten Commandments. Oh. Who wrote them? Yeah. Like God? God? Yeah, that's what I picked, but it was it's Moses. That's false. I know. I know. So, Jeez Louise. But, so it is kind of funny because my wife passed it with like flying colors. Um, she should have been the lead church Does pastor. she do Beth Moore devotionals? That's she does not. Is. Yeah, it's, oh. been a, it's been a while. Well, that's why she passed. Yeah, probably. I need to get on that. I need to get on that. So you've been uh, outed. I've been doing Jesus calling too much. Yeah. Was that? Oh man. You can say whatever you want. Is that okay? All right. So we, um, so we go through assessment and converge. I I just really think they did a great job on the front end with us and preparing us. They sat us down in at the end of our assessment and just said, listen, uh, we believe in you. We believe God is going to use you. But all of us came to this consensus, this idea that, that there is going to be spiritual attack. Yeah. And I remember saying, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, I know, we're ready. We're going to put a prayer team together. Oh yeah, yeah, I I know, we're going to face it. Never, I mean, and I've been a Christian my whole life for a long time. Um, Been around the church. I'm so aware that where God is working, Satan wants to destroy. And and so I don't think I was being trite in that moment. Like I really knew that if God was going to be in this, that Satan was going to come sure. on the attack. And at the same time, I don't want to be one of those where, oh, it's Satan, it's Satan, it's Satan. Like, like hyper. I, like, right. Yeah. I don't want to look for every opportunity. You don't want to give him more credit than, you know. Right. But I would I would say from the get-go, from, from the moment we landed back in Wichita after assessment, Satan was on. He was on it. He was ready. I mean, it was just like, and I remember just the weight of it and um, thinking to myself, I I don't know where this oppression is coming from. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. And it was in July. So we went through assessment in 2018, uh, March, April, 2018. And by May, we were um, having gatherings to introduce about our church wow. plant, connecting with people. Um, I'll be honest, I, I've been in the city for six years at that point. Yeah. Um, I really thought that this was just going to go boom, like gangbusters. Right, I thought I would right. have enough connection, yeah. enough collateral. The idea of doing a parachute church plant never even crossed my mind that that's really what this was. 
Right. And when you say parachute church plant, I'm not familiar yeah, tell with us that. About actual, it. That so that would just be this idea that basically I take my family, I drop into a city, mm, I okay. get to know yeah. it. So, yeah. and boom, we're, you know, we right. spend the next two and a half years trying to build a team. And mm. after two years, you get to nine people and you're excited. Yeah. Um, right, and, right. and seriously, these guys <laughs> are, I mean, that's, it's, you know, you go to Chicago and there are guys doing that. And they're <laughs> thrilled two years later when they got nine people showing up on a Sunday morning. And so different context, obviously, right. and different people group and the way they're working. But I really thought like we would just, we would grow. Yeah. And um, and so we met, um, we started, I, I finished up my position at a church I was working for. They blessed us, they sent us out, they cared for us. I love the way they um, handled church planting for us. Uh, not only did we leave with um, just a, a huge financial gift from them, but we left with them supporting us um, through prayer, and that was huge. But we go through May doing these uh, these conversations with people, actually part of April, May, and a little bit of early June. So this is what, what most planters would call your, your building your launch team phase, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, we're building we're building our team uh, before we before we launch. So launch phase, um, gathering phase, those yeah. could be some of the terms. And by mid June, we start meeting every Sunday night with our launch team, and mm-hmm. that's pretty quick. Isn't it, it is. It is quick. Yeah. Um, but it it was still sort of this gathering training. We'd come together, we'd worship, okay, we'd gotcha. pray together, we'd pray for our city, uh, we'd pray for each other as community. We dig into God's word, and then we'd just be sent out for the week, and we did that all the way through the summer of 2018. And we really sensed we're meeting in somebody's home. And we really sensed that we needed to get out of the home mm-hmm. because primarily what several folks were saying was our friends didn't want to show up to a church plant gathering in someone's home that they didn't know. Yeah. So I, I get that. So that's kind of sort of the culture that we live in sometimes, especially when you live, um, not what I would say, not that Wichita's really inner city, but yeah. if you don't live downtown, it's one thing. When you start living in the suburbs, it's sort of like, I don't know if I, I don't know them. I don't know if I want to go into their home. That's a really nice neighborhood with big houses. That's a little weird. You have doing church plant there. Yeah. So um, I call the friend of mine up and I'm like, hey, you used to meet at this coffee shop. Um, tell me about it. And he told me about it. And as he's telling me on speakerphone, I'm beelining it down to this place. And Was it Ecclesia? Uh, Ecclesia. Okay. And a uh, little shout out to Rochelle. Hey, what's up? All right. Not Where, that she's did watching Did you call this. Jeremiah? I did call Jeremiah. Okay. Yes. He's actually coming on next time. Next time. Yeah. Is he really? He gets to follow your act. Oh, yeah. Jeremiah, you, you, you are so blessed high. to follow me. No. So good thing. <laughs> so, um, so we... Um, I, I met with Rochelle. We talked about you know where our church plant is, what our heartbeat was as a church plant, yeah. our values, and what we were going after. Um, my big thing was we wanted to reach and engage people that were unengaged with the church. Um, so which, you weren't looking for looking for sh- uh, swapping sheep. You like wanted to like we really want to. We really want right. to find people that, you know, don't know Jesus. Right. Yeah. So there was this balance where you want to, I wanted to build a team of people who love Jesus and love their neighbors mm-hmm. and willing to run with that. And what I didn't want to do is build another well-established preaching teaching center in the city. Yeah. Because there's plenty of them and they do a great job. For me, 
the root of all of this had to be the whole intention of discipling and equipping the believer and going after the person that's disengaged from the church. Yeah. We have to hold those two intentions together. And the mm-hmm. moment we give up on one or the other, we become lopsided. And and I get why that happens in churches because you're you're you only have so many staff, you only have so many volunteers. And people feel pulled. I get yeah. that. And so, but I wanted to run as, as um, intentionally as I could, holding those both out there saying, we're not going to give up on either one of them. Mm-hmm. Because we give up on either one of them, we're giving up on part of the Great Commission and what God's called us to do. Right. To love Him and to love others. And so, um, so we um, started September. Yeah. We went over to Ecclesia and we started growing. And I was just like, wow. Heck yeah. We started seeing people come in on a Sunday night. That's when we gathered. Yeah. Uh, people would come check us out. They'd stay a few weeks. They'd go. Then they'd come back. Uh, we would see um, people come and stick with us. And by um, November was when we hit our highest amount of of uh, people that were gathering with us in the average week, we could see 28, 30, sometimes 35. Mm-hmm. We were gaining momentum. We were using Sunday nights really to do two things, to worship together, worship not necessarily meaning music, um, but that right. like we were praying for our city. And then we would use it for training, like equipping. I, yeah. I, I want to give you the tools to... You, I know you love your friends who who are far from Jesus. I want to give you the tools and how to have those conversations with them. Right. Yeah. And so for me, we had um, three things I just felt like were key for our core team, our launch team, whatever team you want to call that. Yeah. That team of people that are gathering together saying, yeah, we're running with you in this mission. And that was that we would give generously to the mission financially, that we'd serve generously into the mission and that we would invite generously into the mission, that we all were going to engage those who were either far from Christ or disconnected from the church. Mm-hmm. That was key for me. I, I mean, it was stressed every week. It was talked every week because I was the one that had to champion the mission. Right. If I didn't champion the mission, nope. I couldn't count anybody else to do it. It was my job yeah. to do that. As as really as the church planner, you got to be the carrier of the DNA. Like you have to be the person that's setting the tone, help creating the culture. And so you're running and sprinting the hardest out of anybody, oftentimes the the lead pastor and their family. So let me ask you just during yeah. this entire process. So you you did your assessment with an organization and then you you were sent by another another church, a mother church essentially or ascending church, but did you have any, any kind of coaching or anybody kind of, um, looking over you or trying to get you to do things a certain way? Like what kind of oversight or, um, expectations were there by you were there for you by any kind of organization or person? Sure. Uh, that's a yep. great question. So I didn't actually pick back up on that. We, we launched with converge. Okay. You did launch so with them. Okay. We went with them. They offered a coach. Uh, his name was Jeff. Um, love Jeff. And, uh, he, uh, he and I met weekly, usually zoom. Yeah. And, uh, he was careful to not dictate what we would do, but, was very available for conversations, for guidance, pushback at times on what mm-hmm. we were thinking. Right. And so um, he took a break from some things in the fall, right around the same time all of this was ramping up. So for this season, I was sort of trying to navigate some of these things on my own. And um, 
And so when he came back um, into coaching, it was uh, sort of this like fire hydrant of like, I got to solve this. I got to solve this. I got to solve this. The poor guy, look back now, he needed to be paid a whole lot more. I don't even know if he was paid, (laughs) but if he wasn't, I'm really sorry, Jeff, you should have been. But he's, uh, he he was a church planter for years himself. And so... Um, so they would offer support. They offered financial backing uh, as well. I really feel like you know, Converge did a, a pretty good job in yeah. in being there for us. Right. So we grow. We're we're like living into what I feel like is like a good rhythm. And the holidays come around, and um, December hits, and we start seeing you know downward spiral a little right. bit. I'm sort of thinking, ah, this is just you know part of you know it's holiday time and sure part of the deal. People are uh, busy, but one by one, um, people were dropping off, mm-hmm. and it wasn't for any one reason. It was so were people having conversations with you, or did they just not show up, or it, both? Both. Uh, sometimes it was, I was finding out from a text message from them. Hey, mm-hmm. by the way, I'm not coming back anymore. Thank you though. Be yeah. praying for you. Sure. Sometimes it was hearing third hand. Uh, right. So, and so whatever. Right. And sometimes yeah. people would call me up, sit me down and just say, Hey, you know, love what you're doing. It's just not who we are. Or we really see now that church planting is hard and we just don't know if that's, we have what it takes. Hmm. And, uh, and I'll be honest, those are the people I loved talking with the most. Because I get that, right? I get how hard it is to leave a well-established church that has no, that has a lot of programs for your kids and for your family, to jump into a, a launch team that we can't promise you anything right now. Yeah, right. And so Ooh, the only thing we can promise you is that you're going to have to do a lot, right? You know, you're going to have to run with us, right? Yeah. And so I get that, and and I get the tension. Um, so I vacillated with that because I'm sort of like one day I'm like, I'm doing it. I got three kids. I got you know right. one in high school, yeah. uh, one in middle school, one in college. So I get the sacrifice, mm-hmm. but what what God had to really do in my life was to remind me, Stephen, that's the call and sacrifice I've placed on you. Mm-hmm. Don't right, right. Don't dictate this and expect that everybody else should have the same sacrifice. Let me deal with that. It felt right. like He was really impressing that on my heart. And once that happened, there was a huge release of. When people would say, hey, we're out. Yeah. Um, my whole thing was, I want to bless you and send you back. Sure. Whether you're going back to the church you came from or you're going to go find another church. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't want you on the team if you're not 100% in. And it's not because I don't love you. It's what I want. But it's what I want. It's what I believe is best for the team mm-hmm. and what I believe is best for your family. Right. Like, go be at a place where you can grow, where you can serve, where you can engage lost people in a culture that's working for you. And I'm yeah. not going to define that. I just know here in our yeah. church plant, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. 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 So we, um, we launch into, you know, we go through Christmas season and then by, um, we, we did the same. We rented out a party bus, mm-hmm. by the way, greatest, greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Loved it. We rented out a party bus. Oh, that's where you guys went to go look at Christmas lights, right? Yeah. I think I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. yeah we, uh, 10 days after the lights were taken down. But we went the Sunday, <laughs> it was like the first Sunday in January, and we um, we went to the home of everybody in our launch team. We got out of the party bus, and we prayed for their home as a mission field. We prayed for their neighbors on the left and the right and across the street from them. And I'll just tell you, it was just beautiful. 
we just we sang um we uh uh, throughout the the server, I mean, throughout the bus ride, we prayed together. Um, it just was a it was a really cool season. Yeah. But the crazy thing was, is we took a massive nosedive after that. Huh. Numerically. Yeah. From a from a standpoint of trying to build a launch team. So is this coming like now into 2019? This is in the 2019. It's January of 2019. We're now dipping down and um, basically, I just I look at my team and I just said, here's what we're gonna do. We're not going to train together. We're not going to do anything but pray together mm-hmm. for the next month. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pray. And I just want you to ask the Lord two questions. God, what is it you have for me and my family? Mm-hmm. And what do you believe God is saying to you about Frontline? And so that's what we did. And we'd gather still on Sunday nights, but we just gathered to pray. Yeah. Pray for each other. Pray for our city. Pray for, I mean, you name it. I mean, we were just, we spent the night praying together. Um, beautiful season. We gathered um, at my home, at our home, Carol and I. Carol's my wife. I don't know if she's watching, but if you are, hey, what's up? Um, <laughs> sorry, a little shout out to her. Yeah, you're good. Totally you're fine. Good. And so we gather home for breakfast, you know, because it's always better to have hard conversations on a full stomach. And, uh, 100% so, <laughs> agree with that. Um, I had Chipotle before dinner, before here, so I'm not so sure if that was good. But um, And so we gathered together, we spent time praying, and then I just said, all right, guys. Um, and, and the crazy thing was, Carol had, she's an RN, and so she had to work that weekend. So the one question I was going to take off the table, it was Super Bowl Sunday, uh, the Sunday that uh, the Patriots won. Um, in case y'all need to be reminded of that. Anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, what, eight Sundays? <laughs> for Eight years in a row. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so we, um, we gather there. She wasn't going to be able to make it. And so I wanted to take the question, what is God saying to you about Frontline off the table? Yeah. Because I wanted her to be there, a part of that conversation. So we were going to gather, we were going to pray together. We were going to say, hey, what has God been saying to you about your life, about who he is, where you are as his, as his child? And, um, and so I just threw the question out there. And one of the gentlemen who's just, I love him. He's a, he's a dear brother of mine, great friend. He just looked at us and said, well, um, I heard from the Lord and we need to leave the launch team. And all of a sudden, like my immediately, Gosh. like I had this pit in my stomach, didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so it's how, like, how do you recover from that? Like right. in that meeting, because the same th- the way I released everybody else, which I f- was hoping would be like with a reasonable amount of grace and like go. Yeah. I knew I had to respond and respond in that moment in a way that would not put anybody down, not be destructive, but would be encouraging. And I wanted to like, in a moment, like halt that conversation and because Carol wasn't there, but I knew like we now had to to deal with that conversation Mm -hmm. and in walks Carol. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Mm -hmm. Like on a, on all the weekends, she always has to work all weekend and she got off. And so they released her earlier or she didn't have enough patience um you know, like to see not, right yeah yes she's got plenty of patience she deals with me <laughs> and so um we had a really i think just honest hard conversation yeah with everyone there with everyone there and um now at that point everyone being 11 gotcha and so now this couple saying they're out we're nine and um and i'll be honest um what what i had been hearing from the lord beforehand was 
um, don't launch, don't oh. launch, <laughs> don't launch, don't launch. What I was hearing from my coach, don't launch, don't launch. What I'm hearing from other guys who've been in church planting, don't launch, don't launch. Like, do not launch right now. Mm-hmm. And that was what month when? That was January, February? February. And okay. at this time, what when was your scheduled launch date? We hadn't we hadn't picked a oh, schedule. Oh, so you hadn't, you hadn't picked one right. yet. Right. We were really working off a numeric number of we needed to have about 60 people for Converge oh, okay. to say, based on our context of living in a in a middle class suburban sort of environment. Yeah, gotcha. It to So you're almost like we need to get to capacity before we do this. So it was whenever you hit capacity. So you're right. about a year in. Uh we're we're ten months. Ten yeah. months in. Yep. Almost a year of a launch team. Yep. Okay. And in 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 all reality, really four months into with a lot of those people that were running with us, because they weren't necessarily running us with us in the summertime. Um, the crazy thing is, um, from the majority of the people, um, what we heard was, let's go for it. Let's just, let's just go for it. What yeah. do we have to lose? And I remember, like, I think I met with the church planning group, like, like the week after I'm like, yeah, this is what they're saying to me. Um, you know, one person said, just preach the come. Thank you. Theology of Field of Dreams. Um, right. <laughs> so like just preach the come. And uh, and so maybe that was just they really believed in me too. Um, yeah. And they believed in the work and the mission of the church. And, um, and there was one guy on our team just super trust. I, I just trust him a ton. And he just said, my job isn't to tell you what to do. My job, he said, I really believe God has called me to support whatever you're... Whatever decision whatever you make. Whatever decision. And that's really not what I wanted to hear from him, but it really was what I needed to hear from him. And so I sat on it for uh, about a week. And um, I mean, looking back now, I can I can say this. I don't know if I would have said it then, but um, there would have been people on the team who, if I had said, no, we're not launching, we're done. There would have been people on the team that said, you didn't give it all. Mm. You didn't lay it all on the line. You didn't like do the ultimate sacrifice. Um, and I think to some measure, I would have said the same thing about myself. Like I would have said, like if we had never launched and we just shut down then, I would have, I, there would have been a piece of me that would have wondered like, right. What would have happened? What would have happened? Yeah. And so uh, we launched two weeks later with nine people, actually 10 people. Cause someone jumped on in that, like in that 10 day window, we launched and we went to the zoo Right. Uh, we knew that we only had the zoo for three months. When we showed up to the zoo, someone had already signed a contract to start in June. Right. Um, good old shout out. I'm glad you guys are there though. So keep it going. Um, <laughs> I hear great things. And our, so, our buddy. but I think that was all part of God's plan. And so we launched, you know, we continue to see growth. We continue, we're starting to see people come. Some people yeah. come and check us out. But through all of this season, really from like August until... Um, February of 2019. So from August 18 to February when we launched, um, I would say it was like one massive spiritual attack. Like just anything that could go wrong. Like one in, in, in one week, we, we had our fridge die. Um, my son was in a car accident and I had unexpected um, surgery. Yeah. Like just boom, boom. Like things that n- everyday normal people deal with 
all just kind of coming at once. Right. Let me ask you a little bit of a theological question then. Do you feel like all that happened because you were in the process of church planning? Or do you think had you just been youth pastor still, that stuff would have happened? That's kind of hard to like think about, but. That's a great question. Um, I, I think if, I think it would have happened regardless. Right. Okay. Um, I really believe that, um, you know, God allows stuff. Sure. You know, some people could say he caused it. Some people could say he did, but, but at the very least he allowed these he things allowed to it. come sure. to our allowed. lives. Yeah. And those That's things, word. those things did inform us and form us and mm-hmm. who we are. And I think, That's good. Inform, inform. Um, I think really helped us. But then on, but just with on top of these pressures that, I mean, are you stressed during this time? Are you like, are you okay during this time? Oh, like, no. Like, what's going on? No, I I mean, all the way through February and up through launch, um, I had massive anxiety and panic attacks. Yikes. Um, I was, so going back two and a half years ago or three years ago, working in another church, yeah. um, began having panic attacks and anxiety. I actually thought, I'm in my mid-40s, um, I lost, um, I was uh, having chest pain for about a week thought that it was um, heart one night. I thought it was the big one. Literally, mm. I couldn't breathe through it. Yeah. My wife rushed me to the ER after several days of workups right. and heart cath and all that. It was stress, anxiety-induced panic Straight, attacks. Yeah. And what they said was um, when men experience that from 40 and older, it can be something they battle with for a long time after that. Mm. And I, I really, it was one of the things where I just was like, yeah, whatever, this is situational. Um, and, and for a while it was good, but I watched anxiety rear its ugly head. And the crazy thing is I wish, I wish the church could do more about it. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, cause I know another guy here in the city who, who straight up, I was, I sat down with him a couple months after they launched, he had gone through the whole situation and I was like, man, how are things going? Like, how are you? And he was just like, you know, just to be completely honest, he's like, I've been suffering from depression the past two months. He's like, I don't want to yeah. get out of bed. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to go to church. Like, and so you're not the first person that I've heard talk about either anxiety or depression or panic attacks or stress being something that's prevalent Playing during role, yeah, during the plant occurring. essentially is this something that maybe you saw happening with some of the other guys who who've planted just in your network before before you you, you know I don't know that okay um, I, I wish I'd had more of those conversations mm-hmm. but I think you know I, I know my experience I remember um after I came back to my church um so I took off like two and a half weeks this is again. 2017, I think. Okay. But it's about 2017. And I I remember coming back to my church and I'm like, you know, I am not going to be that pastor that doesn't share. Like, I want this to be something that God uses for his glory and for hopefully the mutual benefit of somebody else in my church. And the crazy thing is what I experienced was for some people were like, 
hey, thank you for sharing. This is this is phenomenal. I'm glad to know that there are pastors that are struggling and they're willing to share. And then some were a little more patronizing. Oh, thank you for sharing. We'll be praying for you. Mm-hmm. And then some just downright didn't know what to what do, to do. Yeah. when one of their pastors is dealing with anxiety uh-huh. and panic. Um, it, it could be for a lot of reasons. Are we causing that? Are we the cause of that? Are we right. not the cause of right. that? Did I do something? Did we do something? Mm-hmm. Could we have done something different? Right. As opposed to, I don't need you to fix it. Like maybe yeah. there was something you needed to fix, but I don't need you to fix my anxiety. Yeah. Right. Like how about how about you you listen, and how about you just in, embrace and encourage me through the battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently bought a sweatshirt. There's an organization out there called Outrun the Darkness, and um, their whole thing is they use and they promote running to help people battle depression and anxiety. And I just recently came across that. But I will tell you the reason why I run. I mean, now, I love I, I love to run. I enjoy the sport. Some people, it's their punishment. <laughs> yes, right. um, here, that's me. <laughs> I engage people every Monday, typically Wednesday nights, with um, that aren't like me from different backgrounds and different walks you of in life. in a running group or something? My running group. Yeah, yeah cool. I love them. I mean, like these people are just solid people. Love hanging out with them on Monday nights. Yeah. Um, but one of the other primary reasons why I run is... I'm either going to have to be on medication, which if that's what someone needs to do, go for it. Right. For me, I'm choosing to say, I, I want to try to manage anxiety, depression with running. Sure. And, and so, um, so that's why I run a lot and yeah. it's just, it's been great for me. It, it helps me mentally to clear things out. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of reaction with hormones in your body and that kind of stuff that, I mean, it's great for your brain. Yeah. And, and, you know, at this point in my life, um, uh, I, I I don't hide behind it. I want people to know about it. I sure. don't like want to. I don't have to wave the flag, but I want people to see there are people that love Jesus fiercely, mm-hmm. love their city, love their family, and they still struggle with anxiety and depression. Right. And be okay with it. Right. Like just be okay with it. Yeah. And and so, um, so we hit this season where we're going to launch and I just was, I mean, I had anxiety. Mm. I just, um, and just battled with it. And I remember telling my launch team, Hey guys, I just need you to pray for me. Mm. I need you to pray that I will manage like (laughs) my anxiety is because I'm not (laughs) trusting Jesus. Now, sometimes (laughs) some of my anxiety is because I'm not trusting him. I, I get that. Yeah. That happens. I've done that. I probably will do that in the future. But that's not what this was about. Right. And so um, I remember remember saying it in our group and someone asked, hey, why are you anxious? Why do you have anxiety? And I remember just saying there, sitting there, I, I just don't know. And I, mm-hmm. some of it was, I just didn't want to say. Yeah. Um, and then I had someone that was sitting in that room that self-diagnosed it and said, well, this is why. And I'm like... That wasn't helpful, but okay, let's move on, and we're launching next week, folks. All right, let's go. All right, here's your inviter cards. We'll see you next week. Yes, right here at W-I-C-T. So I so, wanted to say that. So, go ahead. I was going to say, Matt Matt Brown's been listening, I think, since, uh, yes. since the very beginning. So let's just kind of look at some of these uh, comments. 
Stephen Christian, one of your best guests this season. And then I said, uh, our first episode was our best guest, which was him. And then he said, yeah, your first episode of the season guest was the worst. (laughs) Um, We're just joking. But then he says, the church needs to talk about anxiety and depression, bring darkness to light. The only way darkness can be defeated. And then he says, time for pastors to be honest and real with their congregations. And so, yeah, I was, I was going to actually reference the first episode of our season, which uh, Matt Brown came on and we talked about depression, anxiety. A lot of people message us about Matt's. Yeah, you know, episode where we talked right. about that. Well, we it's talked about super helpful. depression, anxiety, and vulnerability. Yes, and so really, we we felt as though we were trying to pave the kind of pave the way for this season to be honest and, and vulnerable with and just open. And I think we've we've done that even in some yeah. of these episodes where we just kind of said what we wanted to say. Well, dude, I mean, I just <laughs> even want to like let's just get super vulnerable. But I mean, I even shared a conversation with you and. It's really interesting being on this podcast and pastoring at the same time and leading a group of people people because we've I've always done it from a state of vulnerability. Now, some people don't know how to respond to vulnerability. Now, vulnerability with things that I'm personally wrestling through in my faith. And so there's some people that might go, Hey bro, you don't need to be leading anybody right now. Like you can barely lead yourself. And and you know, to that I'm like, dude, I'm right where God wants me. I'm in process yeah. and and I'm there and I'm trusting him all along the way. But there's a level of you you gotta be careful almost with what you say that comes with being a pastor. It's like you can be fifty percent real. Twenty percent real, seventy. Like, what's the percentage? And and honestly, I think you just got to kind of go with wherever God is leading you in that moment. But there will be people that are like, bro, you just need to trust Jesus, or or you know X Y Z. They'll give their own diagnosis of of what it should be. But it's been really interesting pastoring, leading, you know, with a church plant right now while I'm in process, being right. vulnerable, <clears throat> saying the things but- that I'm saying, and. and getting pushback from people, having conversations to where, you know, people have stepped out of our community because of things that I've said on the podcast. podcast. And that's really hard. It's a really difficult, really tough thing. Um, And part of me kind of feels like the ant that's holding the magnifying glass above himself. Like, am I (laughs) doing this to myself? Right. Well, I was going to say, I think with the podcast and with this, this setting, we tend to be pretty open. Um, and it's interesting because there is an audience and we don't know who they are. We don't know who's going to listen or, or what. And uh, there's some people who, as you found out, feel a certain way and have a certain opinion, but then never share that with you. You have to find right. out third party or whatever grapevine. it is. Uh, yeah, through the grapevine. Or you find out months down the road, like, you know, hey, I listened to one episode and then I just couldn't do it anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but you... I think also because I'm family and because you and I like our, our relationship is, is close and it's tight and you can say whatever you want to say and I can say whatever we want to say. So you put us at the table together and we're going to say things because we're comfortable with each other. Yeah. But there are things that you've said on the podcast that you would never have said if you were having coffee with somebody at Starbucks. Yeah. Talking about the same topic. That's true, you know which is saying? super interesting it's because super it, interesting. because it's like what but man and and you know Stephen I hope you realize like even just the last 5 minutes 10 minutes the things that you've shared like there are people pastors people who have helped planted churches that that have heard some of the things that you've said and it's resonated 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 Res, yeah that word with them they mm-hmm. they felt it like I felt that and 
that is why I think we take those risks and we say those things because we know that it may be at our detriment and at our reputation, but there are a marginalized people group or maybe in an unrepresented people group that are processing through things that are thinking through things that are feeling things like anxiety and and the church is is starting to do a better job i mean i feel like we're trending upwards with beginning to talk about these things especially with recent passings of pastors and and things like that and so we're trending upwards but these conversations are so valuable especially when we're able to lean into that vulnerability and and able to share, like, it's almost like, come and see, come and see what the Lord has done in my life, you know, and, and what he's currently doing and where I'm at now. And I think that that's why these conversations matter. That's why yes. your vulnerability and every other guest that we've had on and our vulnerability is so important in leading from that position. It, it It's a game changer. And, and I'll just tell you, I, I can't sit by and be one of those pastors that doesn't share this. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't. I, I can't be one of those guys that paints a picture that everything's perfect, that everything mm. is just great, because yeah, not everything's yeah. perfect. Not everything's great with my family. There are right. hard times. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so for me, I'm just like, I, I'm going to share it. And sure. if that makes you uncomfortable, then I'll, I'll pray for you. I know another really good church you can go to. Let me give you their address. <laughs> their yeah. pastor air- loves to hear these things. I'll just things. airdrop it. <laughs> yeah. So we go through, kind of just segue back. Yeah, for we, sure. We launch. And I think we're, you know, for the first part of the, for the first part of the launch, it went really well. The team worked well together. They served well together. They were figuring out the giving part of giving generously. Mm -hmm. Uh, The piece that I don't think we figured out as a community is what does it look like to continually engage people who are disconnected from the church. Right. And I kept seeing that over and over and over again. So June comes, we move out of our building. We thought that we were going to um, move into another building. We had yeah. another building ready to go. Dude, and I remember you bringing that up at our, you know, when all our, us church planners got together yeah. and you were like, dude, we got this building and there's all of these problems, you know, like... Yeah the flooding and all of that stuff. Yes. We had this building we thought would be perfect, that it would set us up to do exactly, it would give us great space for kids ministry, yeah. for corporate worship, for some outreach stuff. And just like that, it was taken away because Ugh. of an inside flood. Right. And I remember just the sinking feeling. And I went, after about a day, I went, okay, God, you're in this. If this isn't going to work out, it's not going to work out. And we tried for multiple days and it didn't work out. And I had to make the tough call at that point to say, okay, we're going to go back to the coffee shop. Super grateful that we had that location to go back to. Yeah. But that meant that we had no space for kids programming. Mm. Um, it just yeah. changes the dynamics it, of things. Com- completely. Yeah. Almost and, almost but, in a way for sometimes for people to feel like you're going backwards. Like, right. I thought we were moving forwards. Now we're going backwards. Where's God? I thought God was in this decision. Like, right. It's tough. And, and we had people at that point leave our launch team. Well, of course. Yeah. Every time you move. And so we... Um, same time, I'm meeting with our management team. I had an outside management team of some church planters and our, our district minister. Gave them all the sort of data about our team and how we were engaging uh, people that are disconnected from the church, how we were giving, how we were serving. 
at the end of the day, they said, no matter how great these two areas are going, you're not figuring this out and engaging your neighbors who are far from the church or far from yeah. Christ. Mm-hmm. And these guys are, this was the first time we met as a management team, and they're from different parts of the country. Some didn't know each other, and some were not even even on that call, but I talked with, they had the data, and all of them very consistently came back and said, shut down, shut down. I've got a lot of stuff going on in my brain right now. Okay. And I'm trying to nail down what I, what I want to actually nail down. Um, you know, earlier in your story, you talked about how people don't want to go into somebody's home. They don't know. It's weird. Like, you know what that's, what's that going to be like? I don't know them or, all lies going to be on me or I'm socially awkward, you know, whatever, whatever reason. But then I hear your heart in wanting to equip people. You're wanting them to love Jesus, love their neighbor, be intentional. Like these are all things that I think every pastor and every minister desires. Um, I want that. I want that for me more, right? Like we all, we all want that for everybody. But I think what it boils down to is that there are a lot of people who aren't ready to engage on that level. You know what I mean? Like who there, there are, I don't know. I mean, I know people who really want it, who, who want to reach their neighbor and actually doing some things, but the majority of the people that I know aren't doing that. And it's like, I if, know what I ought to do, had, but I'm not. Right. If they had the opportunity to do it, they, they might not for fear or for whatever it is. So it, I think it, what I'm hearing is that, I don't know, man. I just, I wonder if, if people were really ready for that. Well, you know, the bottom line is, is I would say for a lot of the team, it it probably was no. Right. I I would say they, they want to see people come to know Jesus and follow him. I think that is their heartbeat, but, and they're willing to give towards that, but to jump in the fray of that I understand that that's that's hard. It's hard, yeah. I, I, I get it. I mean, right. I, you know, I would tell them, hey, just because I went to seminary doesn't make it easier for me. Yeah, yeah. Like, in fact, <clears throat> and just because I'm I'm pastoring a church, it doesn't make it easy. In fact, mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of things that get in the way that we have to work. It's almost through. harder as a pastor but, to to do that. Let, let me share something. I think I've shared this before, and actually, uh, so Jeremiah had me come speak to his launch team, and I told this story. And then it and then it his, dropped by fifty because at you his spoke. launch team meeting <laughs> yeah. at Ecclesia, I actually gave this. Me. I gave this. I am. I gave this talk, but um, when I was church planning, there was all this pressure to get people through the doors, and we had already launched, and it was just like you got to grow, you got to grow, you got to grow, and it was like invite, 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 invite. And so, because it was always like, you got to invite, you got to invite, like invitation is the answer, like invite people to the service. I set out one morning and I think it was probably like 9am and I, um, I decided that I was going to invite 100 people to church. And so I had a big stack of inviter cards and I had my phone with Instagram installed on it. And I was going to invite all these people to church and I was going to take pictures with them and like count down on social media and do all this stuff. Like, you know, I don't know if it was like a, Hey, look at me or I wanted to like encourage, I don't know what I was doing. I couldn't even tell you my motive back then, but I sat in my car at, in a McDonald's parking lot for probably 10 or 15 minutes trying to psych myself up to actually go invite somebody, invite a stranger to church. Now, 
somebody might hear this story and say, well, the problem was you're inviting strangers. You were inviting people, you know, or you work, work with or whatever. But I was the same deal. I moved here and I didn't know your, anybody. Your parachute. Yeah, I was parachute. I go to this neighborhood where I really don't fit in because I'm Hispanic, um, but I'm half and I don't speak Spanish and it's not my culture. Right. But I show up and here's this guy, you know, who was a skateboarder and like a graphic designer and photographer, like who, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't know how to describe that, but I invited a hundred people to church. Right. And, and, um, and it was tough, but once I kind of mm-hmm. got into the flow of it, I, I did it. And, uh, Anyways, the the end of the story is one family came to church that Sunday and then never came back and then I never saw any other any of the other people that I that I talked to invited to church and actually later on uh, a couple years later one of the guys that I was in a picture with inviting him to church died in an accident at work and so I'm like I invited that guy to church well and then I'm just like could that have been a deeper conversation right. but anyways I it just it's hard and it doesn't always pan out. And, you know, pe- a lot of people don't know a lot of people. And so it's right. almost like it's it's hard to – how do you get people to get out of their comfort zone? Yeah. I'm the pastor. I'm the planter. Yeah, I picked up my, my life and I moved to Wichita with everything in the back of my car. But when you put me on the spot and you know, say, go invite people to church, mm. it, I, yeah. I sat there. I have like telling myself, I have to do this because if I don't do this, like, who are you? Do you even believe? Go ahead. I have some thoughts. Um, You and I, I mean, you're where your mind is and your heart and what you want to see happen. I mean, I'm very close to that, especially right there with what we're doing, even in our context at Living Water. I mean, we're very much trying to, you know, the missional buzzword like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's us. That's what we're doing. And it's. It's been a super interesting conversation to have, um, and especially with us shifting paradigms and methodologies and all that stuff to try to like, God's kind of taken us down this this road where what we've done has changed. So we launched launched large, went in, mm-hmm. met, you know, in church, banners, donuts, you know, sound system, worship, you know, the whole thing, the goal of church planning. It's like, it's what you do. We so didn't we, do donuts. I wonder if... That's where you went wrong ah. because you should have done Hertz Donuts. We did we did donuts on Easter, Dunkin' Donuts. I yeah. mean, like we had and enough. And you blew doors. You do Dunkin' Donuts if you're like uh, the East Side. Never mind. Well, actually, we got them from the East Side. Did you? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, we had enough donuts for everybody to walk home with a dozen. There you go. Yikes. That's even greater than the, the miracle of the 5,000. Oh my gosh. There was more. Mm. He doubled. Anyways. Okay. So for us in our context, what what we saw was like, I actually think everyone wants to live this way. I think people hear it and they think that's right. That's what I want to do. Now there's a disconnect. Like there's this disconnect that I'm finding with our community to where it's like, where does desire and, and overflowing like from who you are, like, or does desire and identity, like there's this disconnect between those two to where it's like, I have a desire to live that way versus there's this point where a light switch flips internally and it's like, I'm going to live That's that way just who you because are. it's who I am. It's this overflow of who you are. And so in our church's case, by all outside sources looking in, like 
we're shrinking. There's people stepping out. There's, you know, all that stuff. But at the same time, we're, we're praying and having conversations going, nope, this is the right thing to do. This is the right thing to do. This is the right thing to do. And, and we are committed to a multiple year process, however long it's going to take for us to continue to become more like Jesus so that this overflowing can happen from the inside out. And that's the only way. I, and, and I really wrestled with this, like, just do it. Just, mm-hmm. just, just, just do it. Just do the things. Do the things. And then, I mean, God finally got a hold of me one day and was like, "Dude, you, who do you think you are to think that you can motivate someone enough to live this way?" Right. Like, and and this is Jesus. I mean, we're having this conversation, <laughs> and and I'm like, I'm gonna teach them the equipping. There's these steps. There's this blah blah blah. You right. can host parties and barbecues and your neighbors and all that stuff. Like, I'm I'm there, and and to where he goes, dude. You you know you weren't there three years ago, people are, are in different places now. And so it was almost like I had this light bulb switch. It was like, Hey, I'm going to do the work in them. And I just need you to, to love them and to pastor them and to help them be more like me. And it's going to flow. And guess what, Chris, it's not going to be on your timeline. So I'm not saying Hmm. this is what Jesus is saying to you. In my case, in this instance, in our context, when there, when we identified the disconnect between identity and desire, it was like, well, of course. Like, yeah, that totally makes yeah. sense. Like, I can't change anyone. I, well, only God can do that. Right. I was going to ask you, yeah. is there any part of that process that you, I don't know, I'm, I want to ask you if you wish you could go back there, but it's it's not like where you're at now isn't where God wants you to be. But was there a place where you just felt like you were kind of like grooving with who you are, like with the equipping, the teaching, the discipling, you're like in this community, whether it's nine or 12 or 20, that maybe that could have just been like a good place for you with to be without the pressure or expectation of launching the service and starting the programs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. If I, you know, I'm not typically a second guesser. Like I make a decision. Yeah. I've thought it through. I've prayed it through. I've sought wise counsel and then I move forward. Yeah. And then I won't often second guess. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I don't typically, and, and I'll learn from it. Right. For but I'm sure. not going to do this. Woe is me. I yeah, just yeah, made yeah, another yeah. bad yeah. decision. Yeah. But I, if I, if I could do anything over again, it would be that I would not have launched. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if I had lost people in that, then I lost people. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so let me clarify. When you say not had launched, you're not saying not have moved here, assembled the team, gathered the team. Correct. You're talking yes, back in like February. Right, back in February when they're looking at me saying, we either do this or we're out. Okay, like, gotcha. We need to do it was I, almost that, that piv- it was like that, uh, what do they call those moments? Like um, Pivotal moment? A pivotal moment, right. like left or right, you know, you're going down this road or that road. Right. Yeah. If there's a, you know, I look back at all the decisions that, you you know, in church planners, we make a thousand decisions a day, maybe multiple thousands. And some of them are trivial. Like how do we want our logo to look? Do we want it to be vertical horizon? Like, do we want an emblem? Do we not all the way to like what our doctrine's going to be to, yeah. you got a crisis with a family. I mean, like, so church planners, I mean, what we're dealing frosted with is- or filled donuts, or filled. Always but frosted, you didn't have bro. that problem, bro. You're no, do, or do I buy a coffee machine? Do I borrow a coffee machine or do we go high class and, you know, pick up Starbucks on the way every week? Mm. Bodum, bodum pour over. So, yeah. so, you know, <laughs> but I get there's a thousand decisions we make and I can't go back and, and fix every one of them. But if there was a decision I could do over again, like ah, I would not have done that. It would have been to have said, we're not going to launch 
we're gonna go, we're gonna wait. Okay. Can't fix that at this point. I learned from that, but we go out. My team, my, my management team says, you got to shut down. Um, I get it logically. Um, I even get it in my head, um, in my heart. I'm like, yeah, we got to. This this makes sense. This is June of 2019, 19, this okay. year. Mm, um, but right. went on a mission trip. And a friend of mine on the mission trip said, hey, I don't know what's going on, but I just need to tell you that the Lord really has spoken to me and I'm going to jump on a limb. Um, he said, but you need to wait on whatever you're trying to decide about frontline. And he didn't know anything. He's like, you just need to, or he just said, you just need to, you just need to not give up. That's what it was. Not give up. And over the course of the next three days, I just was really leaning in on this mission trip, praying, okay, God, give me clarity, give me clarity, give me clarity. What I heard from the Lord was wait, wait. Very clear. As frustrating it is for a firstborn type A personality that likes to take charge. The only time I like the word wait is when I give it. All right. Let's be honest. So, yeah. um, but that's what I heard. And then I had to come back to, you know, off this mission trip to our our team and just say, the Lord has told me to wait. Well, what are you waiting for? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's told me to wait. So that's even more disconcerting for some, but right. I found contentment in that. Um, that's June, July, August rolls around. And I like, I, I just see the end. I, I know what's coming at yeah. this point. Yeah. And, and at this point, had you had more families that had said, hey, you know what, this this isn't the thing? Or had, you know, people kind of stuck around and hang tight? Pe- or? People, you know, people hung. People hung in there. They waited. They waited to hear um, where things were were going to head. Um, we even tried getting into a building. There is a church that closed down that merged. There's a sweet old church just south of WSU that I thought, may we get into this place? That'll give yeah. us a new location. Mm-hmm. It'll give us a demographic. Right, right. Um, and it just fell right through. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the, that was the Lord. I, I look back. Here's where I really believe that God was calling me to wait on. In June, if we had shut down, the reason why I would have shut down was you look at the data and I would have said, this amount of people were not giving, this amount of people were not serving, yeah. this person, like putting a name. These variables. Right. Yeah. These five people were not engaging lost people. These four people were only showing up every other week or, or whatever it was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what I really determined was I was not going to leave church planting, nor was going to leave ministry bitter, like not going to do it. Good. Heart hurts. Yes. Sad. Yes. Um, sort of like crushed, like you've been dreaming about this with your family since 2008. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of emotion, but the one emotion I didn't want to feel root up in me was bitterness. That's good. Because I've seen it over and over and over again. And I couldn't do that. If those people would have done this, if they would have done this, then Mm -hmm. this would have, this would have been a success. That's it. Like if we just had, right. Like I would say, Hey, if I just had five more of that person, we would have made it. Yeah. yeah. But at the Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Right. What transformed in my heart from mid-June when my team when my management team told me to shut down, what transformed from then to mid-August was was nothing about my group. 
that waiting period, I firmly believe, was God rooting out in mm. my life any possibility within human reasoning of having bitterness. Yeah. And what happened was the reason why we had people that stayed on the launch team who weren't giving was because I let them stay on. Mm-hmm. The reason why we had people not engaging our culture was because I let them mm-hmm. stay on. Like, it wasn't even about those people. It was about the fact that I I was leading the mission of the church. Mm-hmm. And I, and this is a decision I don't regret, and I look back yeah. very clearly, I sacrificed the mission of our local expression of the church for the relationships with these people. Mm-hmm. These people are my friends. Mm-hmm. These people have sacrificed in lots of ways. These people live on my side of the city. I will see them at Walmart, at Target, at another church, at a restaurant. The end of the day, I refuse to sacrifice the mission of our local expression called Frontline Church for the relationship and be one more church that damage relationships, that Gosh, damage people. Good. I was going to say that's so good. And, yeah. and I don't regret that. Mm-hmm. Like, good. Hands down. Like, yeah, And man. if I had to do that over again, well, I would do that over again. One, one of the phrases I've used is that we spent, we spent in church planning a lot of time, energy, money, and people. People get yeah. spent. Yeah, bro. I mean, I've said this on the podcast too. Like people are the non-reusable resource of church planning. I mean, they they are. And and a lot of times, you know, it it gosh, it hurts to know. I just had a buddy of mine um get married and very early on in our church plant, he things didn't go well and we ended up kind of not not being friends. The relationship the was relationship stressed was stressed and, yeah. and strained and so there was distance. He left and um I saw him get married uh, here just recently, and it was so awesome because God's done so much in his life, but it was also so sad when I sat on the way home, I was talking to my wife and I was like, I'm just so sad that I'm not a part of his life right Mm -hmm. now. And that, and that he, his story, when he looks back at our church and who we were is one potentially, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating one that was not a positive experience, one that was negative, one that was not filled with Jesus, one that, you know, that he just had a negative experience and that happens so much, not just in church plants, but in churches, people get burned. And, and I think that it's awesome that you didn't want to, you know, leave a wake of bodies, right? uh, you know, sacrifice them for the mission of frontline church. I, I, I just couldn't do it. And I look back and this this was incredibly hard and painful season, I think, for some of the folks in our church, uh, for our, our family. Like seven days into launching in February, um, f- March first, my father in law in Connecticut passes away. Oh man! And we, you know, that's a couple weeks uh, right into the gate of of launching. Uh, then, you know, we moved my mother-in-law out here and I'm so thankful we did. Um, gives us a chance to serve her, minister to her, have her close by, but all those things still pull. And, um, and I just remember, you know, part of the two, I think God was just rooting out for me was, and I'm still trying to figure this season out now. Like, like yeah, you're, you're pretty fresh from, you know, right. fresh from this. It's like, like the bandaid, you can still feel the sting. I would imagine from one month the ago, off. it's yeah. been about a month. Yeah. And yeah. so... Um, so there's still a lot of hurt when I see people, there's just, man, I miss them. And, um, 
and I know that there's a group of them meet on Tuesday nights still in community and that've been we've been invited to come and hang out with them and I just we don't because we need them to kind of figure out what their next steps are without us there mm. um but for um for us um one of the key things and and I remember calling my friend who I used to work with who's heavily involved in church planting in the city I remember at the beginning of of developing a launch team I said I called him up said hey what advice would you give and he just wouldn't give advice. Like, he's just like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sort of done giving advice for church planting. But then later on, he sent me this message and he said, hey, here's one piece of advice that I want to I give you. Get the hell out before it hurts your family. Mm-hmm. Yikes. And so uh, I remember after it was public, after it was official, I texted him and said, hey, I just, I'm not sure why I did that. <laughs> you were typing. I, texted, I, was, typing I was typing on a major <laughs> keyboard, like a Commodore 64. That's why I was way out here. Yeah. Um, I remember saying to him, hey, um, just want you to know that we, we shut our church plant down. Um, I got some really good advice from this guy who told me that um, I need to get the hell out before it hurt my family. Mm-hmm. And I, he's like, well, it sounds like the only good advice you got from this guy. And I'm like, you gave me more than that. But the point is, I, you know, kind of one of the questions you all asked me beforehand was sort of like, you know, what did this do to my family? There, mm-hmm. Some of that's a little unknown yeah, because we're still in it. Right. I think there is for some of us a loss. Like we're missing this group of people that we love yeah. to run with that are, we that are dear friends of ours. Um, the the toll of just what this does to to a family. Um, but I also think that there was a lot of blessing for our family to be involved. For me, I hope my kids look back on this from years from now and say, Dad was willing to take a risk. For sure. Dad and Mom yeah. were willing to put it all on the line, to sacrifice what they have, both time and finances, to make this a go. Yeah. Dad and mom love people in their city who are not like them. And dad and mom will do whatever it takes. And so I think my kids, they haven't voiced it that way, but I think they've seen that. Um, I hope they've seen that. And yeah. I hope someday that resonates with them. For um, sure. But not at a cost Yeah, to destroying my family. Because yeah. I've been there, and some of us in ministry think that's noble, Mm-mm. But here's the reality, 23 years in ministry, here's the reality. Five years from now, that person you helped out with in a crisis moment barely will even remember your name. Right. Your kids, your wife, they're going to remember how many crises you went out after everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So there has to be... There's got to be boundaries. Right. Like... Yeah. You love people, you serve them well, but your family's got to be the mission. And yeah. that's for me, that's been a big takeaway. So that's sort of, you know, kind of all over the place, but that's our church that's planting. So good. And yep. so yeah. we uh, we shut that bad boy down. Um, it was hard. Um, so I don't, I said a little trite there, but it was hard. Um, I know there's some people that were like right on, like, yeah, you need to, like part of the team saying, mm-hmm. yep, this was a wise decision. Yeah. There were some that were like, you need to shut this down now. There was somebody that said that, which was good to hear. And then there were some that were like, can't you just hang on? And, and I get that. And I appreciate their hearts. Um, I, yeah. So, so that's our story. So one of the points we brought up last 
episode with did Travis. You, did you watch or listen to that entire episode? I watched the first half Some live, and then yeah. I watched the second half on, second. on my own. Oh, okay, okay. Like later on. Yeah, so one of the things I brought up was um, being able to recognize that maybe somebody's not a planter, but there's something else. Right. So to yes. be able to, to sit down with somebody and say, Hey, you know what? I don't know that you're going to be a great planter, but you'll be a great this or a great that. But then it's like, well, we don't do that. And I don't know who to send you to. There's not really funding for that, that kind of situation. Um, I just, it, my question for you is what do you think your kingdom purpose? Yeah. Kind of your kingdom is. purpose. Like if you could just X, Y, and Z without, maybe all the pressures or expectations of what the church planning model or paradigm you were in brought, like, where do you think you would thrive and flourish? Sure. That's a great question. I think some of them still because, trying to figure out. Yeah. Because you still have value to the body, like your heart to equip and to help people engage. Like the people that you came around, uh, not to put them down or anything, but again, we said maybe they weren't ready for that. I mean, or whatever it is like, right. If you got yep. around a group of people that were like that and caught that vision and said yes and maybe got behind you or you got behind them to help spur and motivate them, I think you'd like you could exist in this place where maybe you're discipling 10 or 15 or 20 people in that way and maybe people are rotating through as you're sending them out, but you, you'll you never get to 150 on a Sunday morning or never get to 500. 500. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think in, in there's kingdom been, there's business... Been like the, there's been the, here's the paradigm that you succeed in. Right. And it's if you plant a church that does this, 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 and it's got these metrics and well, there's these expectations. Well, it's the kingdom. We have posts and the Lord sets us, sets us up and puts us where we need to be. And it's like military, there are military posts and not every base right. is as big as the next base, but there's presence right. and there's a few and then there's a lot and they're all working their part of the deal. Yep. And so that's what I, I want to know if you know where maybe your part of the deal is. Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things I learned in this process is I, uh, hate's probably a strong word. So mom, <laughs> if you're watching, I know you don't like that word. So um, hate's probably a strong word, but Strongly I, dislike. Yes. It's not life-giving. There we go. Okay. Mm, Preaching go. on a Sunday morning is not life-giving to me. Mm-hmm. If I have to, especially if I have to face criticism around um, style, around uh, length of time, like I'll take criticism all day long around the the meat, the teaching. Uh, did I come at this at a philosophical or theological angle you disagree with. But sit there and text me and tell me to preach with more passion or energy. But so you had to, you were in a position to where that criticism came your way. Like 10 days after my, my father-in-law passed away. Oh, and I, I, I I remember (laughs) sitting on the couch when I got the text message saying, I don't think I can do this for life. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, my personality I just know this won't be good for me. This won't be good it's for others. For yeah. Yeah. No. Oh no. So, so that for me, and, and I kept having that same sort of experience with a couple of people. And, and, and I think, you know, honestly, I think, I don't think they were intending to be rude or mean or a butthole, but they or, were, but I also don't <laughs> think they thought through the, <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> that's, that's, that's terrible. Who um, does that? 
I'm not sure how we recover from that one. No, I'm just um, being real. This is just but, honest. That's kind of, anyways. So, but, but I remember thinking, speechless. like, pastors will face that every week. Oh yeah, of some level. Yeah, yeah. When you're in student ministry, you got the kid that every now and then you hear, oh, they don't like your style or whatever, or but they don't ever come to. But it was like two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, and like it's ten days after my father-in-law passed away, and like you can't actually. So I just knew. Mm-hmm. And what I what I found was it actually wasn't life giving. Mm-hmm. And when I had to preach from, I remember feeling like I had to be that preaching teaching center. Mm-hmm. Like that's what these po- folks were showing up for. They didn't say that, but that's what I felt like. And the deeper I got, and the more meatier I got, the more I felt like they liked it. And I think to some degree, for some, that was true. But the less I was walking away, or the more the more I did that, the more I was walking away from our mission mm-hmm. of keeping the mission front and center. Sure. Like I want an unbeliever to, or non-church person to walk through these doors and walk out change because of what God is mm-hmm. God has revealed to them. Yeah. And not that it can't happen by doing a deep in-depth study in Romans, which is what we were doing. Yeah. Um, and so all of those things kind of coming together has made me start thinking, okay, what is it? All the way back to September of 2018, one of the last conversations I had with my coach just before he took a sabbatical, I remember saying to him, if this thing never takes off the ground, but I get a job in our city and I keep doing what I'm doing, loving my family, loving my neighbors, sharing Jesus with people, I want to be perfectly content with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get there because let's be honest. You can have all the money in the world and all the people in the world, and if Jesus is not in it, mm-hmm. and, and you know, Matthew sixteen, Jesus says to Peter, "Upon this rock, like it is His I, church, right? He will build the church." Yeah, and it, either He is going to build frontline, the local expression of His church frontline, or He's not. Yeah, and I'm not going to force the hand of God to do something He is not yeah, nor in. Can, yeah, nor can you. Nor can you. Right. Or do I want to think? so pridefully of myself and my talent or whatever mere talent I have to think that I can do that. And I think that like, that's the verse I've kept before me. Jesus is this, this is your church. So when I shut it down, like it's still your church, your, your, your work is still happening in the city. There are still expressions of your work going on in this city. And so for us, what I just says, God, I need you to help me find a job in this city Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest, 23 years in student ministry, a year and a half in church planting, you're marketable to be an associate pastor. Associate pastor? No knocking on associate pastors, but I mean, that's the reality. That's what I'm marketable for. Yeah. And so I put my resume out. I just kept hearing, you're, you know, sorry, you're not qualified, you're not qualified. And finally, I get someone that calls me back nine weeks after I sent my resume for a hospice chaplain. Mm-hmm. And... You're in the trenches. You're meeting up and rubbing shoulders with the hardest moments of people's lives. And I will tell you, even the hardest day that I've had being by the bedside with a family when their family members passing away has been incredibly life-giving. Wow. Because you get to be a representation both in presence and in word and deed 
mm-hmm. of the work of Jesus Christ. Right. Gosh, that's so good, man. And and so to tell you, do I know what my job is going to be? Do I know how I'm going to fit into the local church? I'm not a, to what God wants to do with us in our kingdom. I don't know what he's going to do with our family. Um, I know for this season, we have settled into a church. We intentionally say, yes, this is it, but we've just have gravitated towards a church. We're being fed. Um, we, at some point, will get involved with a, a life group community, and we'll begin to serve mm-hmm. in some way until yeah. he gives us clarity. Um, at the end of the day, if I never make it back into professional paid ministry, right? I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the questions that I want to ask is, and, but I want to, I want to preface it, our stories are, they're, they're different in the sense, they're different, but I think that there's a, there's a common point to where when you have something like this, when you go through something as life-changing as, um, planting a church, working for a church or anything like that to where you step back and you have time to process and, and really look and go, okay, what was God wanting to do hmm. in me during the season? And you, and you process. And it's a, I mean, it's a long time that you go through that and you're walking through and Jesus is showing you issues in your heart. And it's like, no, God, I want to look at like how things could have gone better. And he's like, nah, I just, I want to look at you. I don't, hmm. I don't want to look at your heart. I think that guys like us that come out on the other side of that are prime for being released to help sh- help identify and make a shift in the way that church planting, ministry, methodology, all of that. You take all yeah. of that that's done because we were a part of a system where we did things the right way. Now, granted, maybe those weren't necessarily the wrong thing, Um Maybe you could have had, you know, this factor, this factor, and this factor line up. I tend to fall in line with, you know, you had everyone saying, you guys are born for this. You could do this. Like, this is it. This is in your blood. But for whatever reason, and I tend to lean on the side of, you had every reason humanly possible to succeed from experience, from passion, from whatever, that only God would have to intervene to make it not happen. And there's something on the other side of that. And so my question to you is, do you think that there needs to be church planting reform? Um, and I'm not trying to bait you into anything, but I'm, I'm just curious because you launched a certain way and you did certain things that are kind of like uh, widely accepted practices, you know? You do the, the launch meetings and you do this. There's there's certain right. things that you do. Right. So do you think that things need to change, that maybe expectations need to change or, or anything like that, that there needs to be some sort of change for things to be differently? Or is it just solely, nope, that works. Like God's just got to be behind it. Or is it like you can do anything in God as long as God's behind it and he's leading you to do it? It's a great question. So I want to make sure that the things I say, um, if they had happened, I still think we'd be in the same place. Right. Because either God's in it or he's not. But I I look back and there were some things, even though the church that sent us out, I mean, they just championed us. And I remember them praying. I remember on a Sunday morning, the executive pastor praying and the lead pastor praying saying, we believe that God is going to use this family and this church to reach thousands. And I remember going, yeah. Amen, yeah, like Lord. Thousands <laughs> right. are going to be changed. Now, I will say this. Um if one person's life was changed, those 18 months were well worth it. For sure. And that happened. And that's, yeah. that's that data point where you can't put a price tag on. Yeah. Um, there are some things I think that that our city 
Christians, the, the churches in our city have to rethink through about church planting. And I think we almost have to think through it about it from the city in Wichita and then the what I call the suburbs. Like I live in I live just off of Mays Road. So church planting looks very different there mm-hmm. than it would perhaps like downtown and sure. what God's doing down here. Yeah. Um the reality is um to plant a church in this day and age, most guys are going to have to have a full-time job to make it a go, and they're going to have to know that it's going to be hard work for five years. Sure. I'm in a season in my life, I just eventually couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I couldn't give up five years of, of not being paid, and those weren't reasons why, but you look at the toll on the family. Um, the reality is, I couldn't offer kids programming. And I got another church that's taken off that's got all the bells and whistles. Sure. And so there's this sort of this, when you live in a, let's just call it what it is, a white middle class, upper middle class um, concrete community known as West Wichita. Um, and you you have to plant a certain way, whether whether we like it or not. And when you don't plant in that context, in the way that it works, it is going to be a lot of work. Right. And so we weren't trying to plant in that way and it made it harder for us. Yeah. And I went to a lot of churches in this city Mm -hmm. and this is what I would do. I'd meet with their pastor. I would share our vision. I'd share what God is doing. I would even give the numbers. Hey, there are 60,000 people on our side of the city alone that are still disengaged from the church, even though there's all these churches. I give those stats Mm -hmm. and I would ask two things. Hey, do you have two families or three families or one family in your church? Like I'm talking about, like I go to East side churches, knowing their families and their churches that are from the West side that could get behind our mission and reaching people that are disengaged from the church. And then I would say to them, Hey, I know your church and I know you guys are all about hospitality. You, you guys do that well. Um, yeah. Or you, you give out Bibles. Your, your, your love is to put the word of God in people's hands. And so um, would you be willing to buy us 500 Bibles? Would you be willing to just sponsor like, uh, you know, f- our first four months? I mean, it sounds trivial, but four months of coffee, which is a big deal. Like having someone pay for that. Like, can you get behind something like that? Church after church after church, it was no. Mm. Yeah. And what I felt like was we're on our own. Yikes. Yeah. Like so we're, you, you like, didn't feel, feel the, is the... Unity. Is this the right word? The ecumenical church? Right. Yeah. Like I felt like we were on our own. The The only people that I really felt like that were for us were other church planters who were in the same boat. Right. Who <laughs> like you guys yeah. couldn't give. Like you didn't have anything. Yeah, sure. You can borrow this. We just need it back by 11. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. You can use it from, you know, prior to 945. So I just, in some of that, I think the church in Wichita has got to rethink this. For sure, we've got we've got to drop our our denominational namesake. Yes, please. Like we're not gonna like I'm only gonna support this this particular church plant because it's in our denomination or right. that one because it's not in that denomination. Right. We've got to stop that in the city. We're a city, but we really we need to act in some ways like we're a large town, and right. we need to get on the same page. Well, and, yeah, I agree. We we need to recognize that we're yeah. all part of the same stinking kingdom like seriously and and i i for one um 
had that church planter competition, like competitive spirit when we planted in North Wichita with mm-hmm. the churches that were around the community. We're better. We're going to do this. They don't know what they're doing, that kind of thing. And I mean, I, I had that mentality and it exists and it, and it really, it's a, I mean, it's it really a nasty, sucks. It's a nasty yeah. part but of religion. It is. It is a nasty part of religion. And I was just thinking of the scripture where, where Paul said, when I was among you, I decided to know nothing except for Christ and him crucified. Mm. And obviously he's talking about like he was evangelizing and saying, yeah. uh, this, this is going to be my focus, the gospel. But if that can be our heart as the church in Wichita saying, look, when we sit down at a table, let's, let's know nothing among ourselves except Christ and him crucified. Amen. And yep. let's champion that message, that gospel, that love, that transformational trajectory, life trajectory shifting news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let's, let's raise that banner, except it's not enough. Well, you, well, oh, you're planning a church or what denomination or who sent you or how do you feel about women in ministry or where you, where are you at with gay rights? I mean, it's Christ and Christ and Christ and. And so in order for me to qualify you to receive funding or help or partnership, you've got to meet all this criteria. Well, yeah. And we've got to get and to some extent, we've got to get over that. And and I and I also said, on one hand, you know, I've got some critique of the local church. Sure. The other hand, I also have seen some church planters like just pilfer from the local church and not want to give back to the local church. But here's what I'm convinced: I've been in, in the city for almost seven years. I can name probably fourteen, fifteen churches that could find it in their budget to fully fund a church plant for five years. They oh, could yeah. do it. Yeah. I mean, uh, what if, what if all, what if every one of those churches said, we're going to fully fund a, a church plant for five years so that church planner doesn't have to work and his family, they can focus on their community, focus on building mm-hmm. a team, yes. focus on loving yeah. people that are far from Christ. Like I'm all for overseas missions and supporting missionaries, but like the reality is, People in our city are dying and not knowing Jesus, mm-hmm. and we're sending off millions of dollars around the world, and we're forgetting about what's happening right. here. Well, and we've got to do it. Yeah. So, uh, what something I was going to say earlier, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, hmm. right? And the Lord, He, I mean, He guides our paths, and I, I like to say that, according to Scripture, our destiny is that we're conformed into His likeness, hmm. so that all of our life is that path and that the journey is the destination, right? As, as we are living, knowing Christ, working on our salvation, undergoing transformation by the spirit in us, being sanctified, being conformed into his likeness, that's going to happen regardless of our circumstances, but God will use our circumstances to aid in that process. And so you've gone through a process of church planning. You've gone through the season, but the Lord has always been there. He's always had a plan for you. And the plan is still the same and you're on your way and it is happening. It, right. It's like the, the here, but the not yet kingdom, right? Like Mm. you are in Christ, you are forgiven, you are sanctified, but you're being sanctified. You're being saved, but you have been saved. We will be saved. Right. So like it's all of this happening in your life. And so anyways, all that to say, I wish that we could somehow, Maybe even by deep prayer and discernment, I mean, testing and knowing what the true will of God is, as we read in Romans, 
is there some way that we can get ahead of these kinds of situations within God's will? Yeah. And I'm not saying you were out of his will, but right. how can we identify up front that Stephen Christian wants to pour into people who want to reach the lost? He wants to equip. He doesn't want to preach on a Sunday morning. He doesn't, that's not yes. his, that doesn't bring him life. Right. So then the, your sending church says, Hey, you know what? Why don't we, instead of trying to send you out to become your own thing and whatever, why don't we be a base for you to create a ministry where you can do what you love to do, find mm. people who want to engage Jesus. That's, those are and, kingdom dreams. And you become, right? yeah, and you that becomes a ministry extension of their ministry so that you run, I mean, you're a capable leader and teacher mm. and equipper. And so it's like, your sending church is creating a ministry where you are the guy yeah. and you're living and functioning in that. You're not wasting the money on, you know, renting the zoo or whatever it is, right? right. Like uh, yeah. you can, I got stuff to say. you can, <laughs> Sorry. you can, <laughs> you can better utilize resources. Yeah. And so you've got all these plants that go out and then they shut down. And then the guys come out on the other end saying like for a long time, when I came out of our church plant, I said, you know what? I I never wanted to be the the number one guy. Maybe I'm a better number two. Mm. Maybe I'm not even on yeah, staff. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Mm. Maybe, maybe I'm not on staff. Right? right. Maybe I just run a podcast for the rest right. of my life. I don't know. I consider this ministry. Yeah. Right. I interact with people all the time through email and chat and that kind of stuff. So, anyways, me, me, sorry. Me. So, what I'm saying is, how do we get on the other end or on the front side of this? Stop sending guys out. Stop causing anxiety and depression, stop putting pressure to launch and be big, stop spending resources on buildings and that kind of stuff. And like have ministries birthed out of the ministries that feel, right. Right, right. feel healthy enough financially and spiritually to pour into somebody and send them out. Yeah. I, I think actually that's probably like week four of this series, which would be great. I mean, cause I think you're asking great questions and I don't, I don't know if we can solve that just locally. I think yeah. that's got to be nationally, globally, but maybe we figure that out and we start bringing leaders together in the city. I will say one of the things I've had to fight against, you know, I'll have people that'll say to me, oh yeah, I know so-and-so. Didn't his church plant fail? Well, if you, you know, you count the fact that they saw 32 people start following Jesus in the time they were in existence and there's 31 of those 32 are now still engaged in the church. If that's, your right. definition failed, and yeah, they, they, yeah. they yeah, failed. Yeah, they failed. Yeah. So I had to fight against that myself. Sure. Like, did we fail? Did we not? No, the reality is we didn't fail. I believe right. in this season. But I also look back and say, you know, part of the, the deal was my church saw like this rise up within me. So I worked for one church. They really got me to a point where I was caring deeply for people who were disengaged from the church. Yeah. Went from there to a new church in a different role. And while there, that excitement continued to grow. And I think just naturally what happens is when you when you see someone that, that can lead and someone who can be a good communicator on a Sunday morning and they have a passion for reaching people that are disengaged from the church. Church planner. Church boom, planner. Boom. Yeah, there we go. Let's right. go. Let's, let's get them out there. Yeah. And rather than harnessing and saying, how do we just use that in our church or in the local church Mm -hmm. to be... Now, I have one of the guys on our church plant team, one of the things he said was, 
maybe Frontline just needs to be a parachurch sort of ministry where you're helping the local church to equip and train people. Yeah, why not? Right. That That's a possibility down the road. That, that's not where, where God has me right now. Mm-hmm. Is it something that you know he might open up down the road? Is that, that kingdom voice piece that he still uses me? Perhaps um, that becomes something. But that doesn't just have to be what I do. Um, so I just think there's room for this conversation to say, Absolutely. what do we do with these men and women? Um, yeah, that's I'm, fine. I'm, I'm, you step on those toes. So, okay. I mean, that's the reality. Um, I grew up in a culture where um, women did great job with Sunday school and with caring for people. <laughs> and potlucks. And Don't potluck forget the potlucks. Potluck pot providence in the church group I was with, all right? Quilt, quilting ministries. And quilt down. Oh. So, uh, yes, quilting ministry. Um, my time at seminary, um, regardless of my theological conviction, my time at seminary really taught me this, is that at any moment, Jesus is coming back. Right. I want to believe and live the way Paul believed and lived. There are a lot of men that are in ministry that shouldn't be in ministry, that are mm. absolutely not capable, nor should ever be in ministry. And that might be a whole other topic that we yeah, could get on right. some night. I know it's 9.07 now. <laughs> but regardless of how we decide to parse scripture at this point and show you know this or that about the role of men and women, if I've got somebody that's next to me that is fiercely in love with Jesus, they are gifted and talented to lead, and they want to see the kingdom of God advanced in our city, in our nation, in our world. I am no longer going to sit by and say, well, are they female? Too are they bad, male? so sad. Right. Yeah. I, I don't have time for that. Right. Because my neighbor who doesn't know Jesus mm. stays that way. Yeah. He's got an eternal destination that's very different than yeah. mine, and I refuse at this mm. point in my life. Right. Pray for the laborers, because the laborers are few. Right. Oh, hey, look, there's a hundred women who want to be laborers. Nope, right. sorry, we prayed, and the Lord sent women. Yeah, that's we got a hundred trays of macaroni, and though. Tell me what yeah, you we were do. getting excited okay. about. Yeah. Okay, I got to bring some salt because this is the episode to do it. So salt is good. Yeah, it's not the like it's not the good kind though. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little a little salty as far as, um, anyways. I think the big thing that needs to change, you look at the the church planting world, okay? And it's not about planting churches. Um, it's about planting a service and starting a service. And so I'm, I'm going to go off on this tangent because mm. it... It exists when when we make decisions as planters and as pastors and things like that to in the early phases, well, we got to start having worship and we got to start doing this and and pulling all of these things forward before we're even ready to because it's what the people want. It's what they need mm. because the service looks like this. You have you got to have some sort of refreshments. You got to have a really welcoming kids ministry. You got like there you cannot you are not a church if you don't have these things. And as long as there is an expectation that you are a community of faith, if you operate within the boundaries of this box, we're we're in a, we're in it we're in it like we're in a big pile of poop and and because listen i'm, I'm serious because here's Sorry. what happens is to the man or woman who feels a call to to do something their automatic thing is pastor well what does that look like xyz boom expectations well i could never do that hmm. I, I could never do that i could never be that but 
what I could do is this other thing that is a kingdom dream that God birthed in me. And maybe I'm not a preacher. Maybe I'm not a teacher. Maybe I'm not a this. But when we say church planting has to be done this way, gathering a community of faith in a localized region has to happen. And oh, by the way, you have to drop, you know, $250. And let's be honest, that's to barely get off the ground. If you really want to get off the ground, you got to drop 500 so that you can play ball with mega church down the street. Barely. Like, Mm -hmm. and when I say play ball, that means create a product and an environment that is enticing enough to step away from that to step into this. So, Hmm. so what ends up happening is, is church planners spend so much time, so much energy trying to market this product that they believe in Jesus, by the way, but it has to fit within this box of a well-fit, well-oiled machine service. Mm-hmm. And that's not healthy for anyone. And it has to become self-sustaining. And it has to become self-sustaining, by the way. And so there's just all of these pressures to be just as good as the church down the road. Maybe not necessarily um, that the pastor wants to do that or feels that way, but the people that are leaving those environments to step into this. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm already going to step back from you know this kid's ministry that's got a slide. Like, do you have a slide? they have a slide you know like and so and and hear me when i'm saying this like i don't hate services i I don't don't hate slides i don't hate slides i do think that we've taken the service and elevated it above so many other Mm. aspects that are beautiful about the bride of christ and community and all of these other things and so i think in order for church planting to be able to take a step forward in in gathering a community of faith in a region, we have to put it in its appropriate order. It is a value. It is not the most valuable thing. And when we can flip that script and when we can begin to make changes and help change mindsets, it's why we do this podcast, mm-hmm. because yes. we want to help bring about change. Conversations like this are so extremely valuable because it gives people insight into the system. Right. So, And I think, I think you, <laughs> what you've just over. said is key is at the end of the day, I couldn't produce something both physically and from my heart that competes with what else is out there. Yeah. And and that was the rub for me. Like Because this isn't this enough? Isn't Jesus not like right. isn't loving like, others enough? I'm sorry I don't have a separate space for kids ministry. I'm sorry you have to hear the kids that are over there. Like that's what I felt like. Yeah. I want to be able to say Thank God there's five kids over there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so what if we have to hear them? But in the way we do church planting, or the way we do church, yeah, the church planter is almost like five steps behind. Yeah. Because, um, and, and, and here, I mean, this is the other piece is I understand the sustainability piece. Yeah. I, I, I get that because if you take guys who've been in ministry long enough, um, the reality is, like, I, I, I've been telling people the last 10 years, oh, you want to be in ministry? Great. Go get a different degree. Mm-hmm. Go get a business degree. Go get a, a journalism degree. I don't know about that one. Go get a, a marketing. <laughs> go get something else. Something else other than ministry. You can learn this stuff. Jesus loves journalists, by the way. Yes. Continue. I mean, like, you can learn this. Yeah. I mean, I have read hundreds of books. I did a minor in, or whatever you call it, in seminary on church planning. I've read... Every single book that Ed Stetzer could put out and mm. recommend, um, I've read, I mean, I've just read hundreds of books in church planning yeah. and gospel sharing. There's only one book I've read that actually made a hill of a difference in my church plan, and that was scripture. Yeah. <laughs> All those other books, 
you know, it's Jesus juke. Guess I didn't mean for that, yeah. but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's reality. Like they didn't help our church plant. It wow. actually made wow. me more frustrated. Wow. That's because those books, those books set expectations. They, when you, we have yeah. scripture that makes the introduction. Right. I mean, to to the person that changes everything. Right. Like if you just do, and we we admire these men and these men and women. If they've done great things in church planning, I'm not knocking that down. Yeah. Then we put it in a, a written format, and then yeah. we sell well, it to. The the problem is is when you make a description the prescription. Mm. Right. I am describing to you my experience with church planting. If you do this, then you will succeed, right? Yeah. Grow your church to 200 by implementing these 10 things. Grow your church to 500 by implementing these 15 things after you do those 10 things. Yeah. And we, we take our story, our experience, what the Lord has done here, and then we present it in such a way that other people, maybe inadvertently we present it that way, other people grab onto mm-hmm. and think it's a prescription for success. Mm-hmm. We need to make, and it's Sam McVeigh Jr. just posted, make disciples, um, this idea that- Yeah, you know, Sam, what's up, Sam? Um, I, w- we need to make disciples. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the end, it's the end of the day. Um, we we happen to go, so I don't want to, I don't want to trash the mega church. Yeah. Um, we happen <laughs> to go to a, a really large church in our city. Sure. Um, right now, I went there thinking I was going to drown out and yeah. nobody would know us. Yeah. Um, that- didn't happen. It didn't happen. Good. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's been okay. Um, at the end of the day, though, we need to make disciples no matter what the context is. But we do need to help the guy or the woman, the man or the woman who wants to plant a church, that wants to start a gospel-centered community, that it doesn't have to look like that. Right. So how do we help the church? Now? And, and this isn't fixing it right now. This is, I think helping to shift the paradigm for five years from now. Right. right. I th- and, you know, I think one of the biggest questions or one of the biggest things we can do right now is begin to ask more questions like, what if? Mm-hmm. What if you would have stayed where you were at and poured your heart out for reaching the city and disengaged people right where you were mm. rather than? So I think we need to begin to ask, "What if? Oh, you want to you want to plant, or you've got this heart, this, that, and the other. Well, what if this? Well, what if that? Well, what if this? Well, what yeah. if that?" And you know, honestly, it's interesting when I when I've done marriage counseling in the past, a lot of the questions I ask are, "What if? Well, what if you find out hmm. this? Well, what if that happened? What if that happened?" Because then you really begin to check your heart and say, "Well, what if?" I think I'm a church planner. I think I'm a preacher. Well, what if you get two, three years in and then nobody's there? Mm. What, who are you then, right? What is your value to the kingdom? But apart from the paycheck and the platform, right? And so I think that's where we're going to really begin to start to see how the Lord has gifted people and the way he's put them together. And instead of us saying, okay, God, you gifted this person this way. Well, where do they fit in our strategy we begin to recognize that and we say, okay, how does he fit in your strategy? The right? other thing too with church planning is is whenever, listen, whenever whenever your back is against the wall and you got to pay rent and you got to do all these things and mm-hmm. there are things that have to get done, you make decisions based off of logic and reason and because you have to, like you have to make those decisions. How yeah. How can you 
help lead a body of believers when you 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 start thinking, oh man, the money's not coming in. We got to pay rent. We got to buy this. We got to buy that. And yeah, and there's hard. all of these things that we have to do. And so you stop. You start thinking about those things that need your automatic attention, which is mostly you know money um, to pay for things and your paycheck, like. And I'm not saying pastors shouldn't be paid. That's not the discussion I'm getting into. But I am saying when you have to focus on money, it really changes the way that you lead a church. Yes. I mean, because yeah. you, you're you looking at the bills and you're going, we can't pay the bills. What do we do? Yeah. And so, anyways, we're getting pretty close to probably needing to wrap up. Yeah. So I'll just say this. Sure. At the end of all of this. Finish it out. For me, um, 23 years plus, I don't know, whatever it is. I still love Jesus. Amen. I still love my family. I still love this city that God has placed us in. Mm -hmm. And I still love his bride. Yeah. And that had to be key for me because the moment I stopped loving Jesus or his bride. Now, I'm not saying we don't critique it. Right. I'm not saying like you don't want to make it better and lean into more what Jesus has called this church to do. But what I won't do is hate his bride. Yeah. And I'm thankful I'm not there. I'm thankful that God just, and I look back. It's a blessing, man. And that's what God had to do in me back in June Mm -hmm. so that my heart wouldn't go there. Right. Because I knew, I knew if my heart went there, I would be so destructive and I'm not going to, I mean, there have been moments where I've wanted to be like, just like fly off on, on social media about this, 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 Yeah, this. don't do that. I've done that. People don't like that. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> but I'm thankful I didn't go there. Type it out and then don't and hit send if you can find the discipline because so, I've done that. Or post it in the Salty Dogs podcast group. Podcast there you go. Group. So, <laughs> There's hey, the promo for yeah, it. Thanks for having me. Dude, um, yes. Thank you so much for being on. Keep the conversation on. going. The yeah, church needs sure. it. Yeah. And I just want to say this. Thank you so much for reaching out and sending me the email and saying, hey, I want to come on and I want to talk. This has been so beneficial. Um, I, I, you know, originally we were we were wanting to talk to somebody that was a little further removed, mm-hmm. but I think God orchestrated this and worked yeah. it out the way that it needed to, and yeah. you were absolutely able to sit down, right. share your experience, not bash the bride of Christ, yeah. and, and, and there's a lot of good that came from this conversation. Yeah. So thank you so, so, so much. If you're someone that listened to this episode or watched this episode live, man, shoot us an email. Let us know what you thought about this and how this made a difference in your life. We'd love to share that those emails too with Stephen, and, and just yeah, sure. those things are so <laughs> encouraging when we get those. Jason, where can they shoot us an email at? Uh, salty dogs podcast at gmail.com. Um, and so, yeah, or you can go to salty dogs podcast, uh, com and then you can reach out to us there. Um, hey, yeah, go we, ahead. We have one more episode after this for the season. We do the, We've got one more. We've got uh, Jeremiah Wood coming on. Woo-woo. And so, yeah, he's, he's going to be great. Hey, we actually have a, a, a very special situation that's going to happen right here. You got so, theme song? I've got it. Let's see if we can get it to happen. Who is can it? you hear that? What's going on? Can you hear that? Yeah. All right, check it out. Who are you calling? Good grief, who's calling at this hour? <laughs> is that is Who that is, Casey? Who's that? Casey. <laughs> You're live on the podcast, Broham. Oh, dudes. What's up, man? What's been up? Yeah, let the listeners know. You yeah. tell us. Dude. No, I'm in uh I'm in Connecticut right now. Actually I'm working on the East Coast. Been out here for 
a little bit. I'm gonna be out here all winter, actually. So, East Coast, are you jamming some uh, some some Biggie? <laughs> no, you know I'm a I'm a Tupac man myself. So, I mean, <laughs> oh dang, you're you're yeah. in, <laughs> you're in the land of the enemy, bro. You're behind enemy lines. I know. You know, I'm just trying to. Every you know, day we pray for you. the day we meet again. What's been up, man? What were you guys talking about tonight? So we've got. You? Uh, We've got Stephen Christian on. We actually, uh, he's a church planner here in Wichita, so we're doing a church planner discussion series, and we're ending out the, the season with like three episodes on church planning. And so just kind of talking about some church plant reform and how, you know, we, we got to work together in the kingdom to to see this thing through. But man, hey, uh, we miss you, bro. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely miss you guys, and uh, I've been on a pretty long hiatus right now. Yeah. You know, just walking through what I have to walk through. And, but no, I definitely, I definitely miss uh, being on the podcast and, you know, going whole, whole ham, Christmas ham. Whole ham. Thanksgiving ham, all the hams. <laughs> hams on hams. And, uh, ham is an acronym for hard as a mug. Yeah. And mug is a replacement word for another word we won't ever say yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, you can't ever say that. So we we like to keep it classy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hey, uh give a shout out to our listeners, man. Say let let them know, let them know what's up. Are they even listening to me right now? Yeah, he, he's you're oh, in the mic, bro. You're, oh, yeah. you're in the mic. You're, you're in. You're live on Facebook, homeboy, and then it's going to okay. go into the audio. Oh, man. No, I just want to With who? With them? <laughs> no, with with everything, man. Oh well, yeah. we're uh, we're about to shut. I, I want to have. Well, I know you're about to shut it down, but I want to have a conversation. About what? When? Right now? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, hey, we 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 got to wrap it up. We've been going for about two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> wow, wow! I'm super jealous. <laughs> Toach jelly. Yeah, we'll do a bonus. A, bro- <laughs> a bonus episode? Bronus. <laughs> oh, is, is that what you said? No, I said bonus, but you made it funnier. Oh, I, I just I just heard it as bonus. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. yeah that funny. Did you know that my favorite Star Wars character is Broba Fett? <laughs> oh my gosh, these puns. Hey, we got to we oh. got to wrap it up and get rolling, man. So, good to hear from yeah, you. I know our cool, listeners man. will be excited to hear from you, so Yeah, man. Mad love to everybody. You guys too, man. Um, I'll be back soon. We'll we'll, we'll do something. All right. Love you, man. Take it we'll easy, man. Something. All right. Mad love. See you later, brother. See you, bro. Yep, bye. bye. See you later, Chris. See ya. All right, y'all. He's by the way, Sam told me he just saw that he's going to he wants to buy me lunch. So, uh Heck Sam, yeah, yeah. Whoop, whoop. I will be calling you. I've needed to call you a long time ago. So uh, now that this is public on Facebook, it's official. I need yeah. to. I'm gonna have that's to. That's how we up do Salty Dogs podcast is okay. setting up lunch dates. That's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> All Man, right, this then. is a good episode. Thanks, yeah, guys. Good, good stuff. stuff. See you guys. Peace. Bye.